soon. Happy birthday, you fucker. <laughs> Happy birthday, Kevin. Happy birthday, you bastard. Happy birthday, Kevin. Genuinely wish you a happy birthday, Kevin. Happy birthday, Kevin. That'll probably be shit. That's right. Move on. <laughs> happy birthday, Kevin. 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 Hello, Pulsinos. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I would like to wish Kevin Bradway a happy 40th birthday. You and Jim are my favorite podcasters, and I hope to get many more seasons of the Pool Scene podcast. Hi, Pool Sceners. This is Dean. I just want to wish Kevin an amazing 40th birthday. I love listening to the show with my dad. Hope you guys have fun. Kevin, hey, this is Reba. I may have a busy schedule touring, recording, filming, designing, and other stuff. But I'm never too busy to take a moment for one of my biggest fans. That's why I wanted to personally wish you happy birthday. All I can say is, somebody wanted to make sure you know they're thinking of you. Isn't that sweet? Happy birthday, Kevin. This is Mara. I'm looking forward to babysitting for you guys. I mean, bartending for you guys when we're home next week. Happy birthday. A wiser fella once said, sometimes you eat the bar, sometimes the bar eats you. For better or worse, you only turn 40 once. It's a milestone that I'm reaching this Tuesday, December 19th. And we're going to do a bit of a super chill birthday celebration episode. Yeah, baby. And so I am Kevin on the precipice of 40 years old. Preceding me in hitting that milestone is my co-host, Jim. Hey now, 42 years old, fan of Mark Wahlberg. Let's go to the park, Bobby! Along with Jim, I hand-selected two special guests to spend this birthday episode with first returning for what the fourth time number four is Corey what do you have going on Corey um not a whole lot I've been working on completing every GameCube game though I've been streaming that how many are there 553 of them Jesus how far are you I am 65 okay I'm four last year (laughs) I'm about two I got about two I've beat FIFA soccer 2003 and I beat (laughs) what's that a day of reckoning the WWF one yes how are you how are you gonna log those like Um, sports and so each game is a little bit different if it has like a story then i just finish through the story the way it works but like sports it's the fastest way to win a championship or whatever so is there a way anyone can track your progress or is that on its way maybe hey uh on my youtube channel i break down everything into a condensed version and kind of just go over my experience with the game cool what's what's the youtube channel uh it is just at rise ago on youtube r-e-i-s-i-g-o i-g-o okay perfect also returning for the third time is seth seth you're a recent member of the 40 club as well right that is true yes and what do you have going on other than uh, as of other than what a white russian in one hand lebowski shirt on on, a vape. I might may have seen a vape. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of subomine, full rig. God damn it, Jim. Yeah, uh, as of late, uh, all I have going on is uh, helping uh, podcast engineers set up their uh, <laughs> fucking, you know, 
<laughs> their audio video stuff. Technically, I'm not an engineer, I'm a producer, so Seth it's different. Is, Seth is a very demanding guest. When he comes on, he refuses to use our setup and he he takes over with his he brings his own setup. At this rate That is that is not true. That is not true. At this rate, this attitude, no five timers are up. Yeah, he is a, a a writer. He wants the you know the blue MMs and only the blue MMs, that sort of thing. So also to help celebrate again, we've got white Russians or Caucasians, if you'll abide, because we are covering one of my favorite movies, a movie that I did not like, or maybe I didn't get it the first time I watched it when I was in my late teens. Yeah, a little different movie. Corey, your wife. Yeah, so she watched it for the first time with me and she looked at me at the end and was like, what was the point of any of that? <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's the, the point, point, is that there was no point. It's about nothing, Lebowski, nothing. I believe in nothing. I'm throwing rocks tonight. Mark it, dude. This was a valued rock. <clears throat> this was a... Uh... Yeah, man, it really tied the room together. So this was a valued... Uh, yeah. Tied the room together, dude? My rug. Were you listening to the dude's story, Donnie? What? Were you listening to the dude's story? I was bowling. So you have no frame of reference here, Donnie. You're like a child who wanders into Walter, the middle of a movie and wants to know... Walter, what's the point, man? There's no reason. Here's my point, dude. There's no fucking reason why these... Yeah, two... Walter, what's your point? Huh? Walter, what is the point? Look, we all know who is at fault here. What the fuck are you talking about? Huh? No, what the fuck are you? I'm not. We're talking about unchecked aggression here. What the dude. fuck is he talking my about? My rug. Forget Come it, on. Donnie. You're Walter, out of your element. Walter, the Chinaman who peed on my rug, I can't go give him a bill. So what the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? The Chinaman is not the issue here, dude. I'm talking about drawing a line in the sand, dude. Across this line, you do not. Also, dude, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Asian American, please. The Big Lebowski, a Coen Brothers film from 1998. The Coen Brothers collectively are my favorite director. Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, The Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo, Old Brother Where Art Thou, No Country for Old Man, A Serious Man, Inside Lewin Davis, a few others, one or two duds at most in a 40 plus year career. Intolerable Cruelty, Romantic Comedy, not bad, just not great. Just why, why did it happen? And uh, Lady Killers with Tom. You say just it's just white. It's just white. Big Lebowski is loosely based on the work of writer Raymond Chandler. So, Corey, this is what will help connect the dots for your wife. The Coens wanted to take a Chandler-style story where characters tried to solve a mystery with an unnecessarily complex plot that ends up being unimportant. Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. New shit has come to light. And, and shit, man... She kidnapped herself. Well, sure, man. Look at it. You know, a young trophy wife in the parlance of our times, you know. She uh, uh, owes money all over town, including the known pornographers. <laughs> and that's cool. That's that's cool. I, I, I'm saying she needs money. So that's kind of the style of the writer is like a whole bunch of MacGuffins and things to throw you off the trail for it to ultimately be, you know, the easiest explanation in the end. The dude himself was inspired by Jeff Dowd, who was a member of the Seattle Seven or the Seattle Liberation Front, an anti-Vietnam War protest group. Dowd went on to become an independent film producer. The Coens met him while trying to get Blood Simple distributed. He drank white Russians and usually referred to himself as the dude. So that's sort of like when the narrator says, I'm just glad he's out there. I'm glad to know that there's someone out there who just calls himself the dude. 
dude. Just lives his life happy. Yes. So they took Dowd's persona and then applied stories from their friend Peter Xline, who was a Vietnam veteran that lived in a dump of an apartment and had a rug that really tied the room together. Xline told them all sorts of stories, including having another Vietnam veteran friend who became a private investigator and tracked down and confronted an eighth grader over Xline's stolen car because they found the kid's homework inside. So that whole thing is ripped directly from real life and put into the movie. They played in a softball league together, which obviously was changed to bowling. But there's more examples that show this movie wrote itself and they just moved the pieces around to make it work. This script for Big Lebowski dated back as far as 1988. Really? Yeah. So, and and the interesting thing about that was Stevie B in that. Stevie B was in that. Fuck yeah, Spring, Spring Love. Break, break, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Same thing. White Russians are kicking we'll in. We'll talk a little bit about the um, the reason for why it went from 1988 to 1998 a little bit later when we get to casting. But uh, Jim, something you'll appreciate. Glenn Fry from the Eagles. Oh, was, yes. Was so annoyed by the dude's hatred of the Eagles. <sighs> Jesus, man. Could you change the channel? Fuck you, man. If you don't like my fucking music, get your own fucking cab. I had a really no, rough night. I'll pull up to the side and kick your ass out. Man, come on. I had a rough night and I hate the fucking Eagles, man. That he confronted Jeff Bridges about it at a party as though Jeff Bridges made the decision. Hey, Jeff, we got a problem here. That part of the dude's persona came from the music consultant, T-Bone Burnett, who also hates the Eagles. Another person who hated the Eagles was Alan Klein, who owned the rights to the Rolling Stones' Dead Flowers. He wanted $15,000 to use the song in the movie until he saw the scene of the dude hating the fucking Eagles, and then he gave him the song for free because he also hated the Eagles. So the Big Lebowski was supposed to release Christmas 1997, but was held back due to the crowded holiday slate of releases. Jim, Big Lebowski is an undeniable cult classic, but how did it fare financially? Please give us budget, box office, news, and number ones at time of release. From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. For Kevin's 40th birthday celebration, here we are. The Big Lebowski came out March the 6th, 1998 to a $15 million budget and made $46 million at the box office. Rated 80% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 191 reviews, a 7.4 out of 10 on Metacritic. I think that is criminally low. But one thing that wasn't criminally low was your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations. You did good. It's Friday night. Where are you going to go out to drink it or in your McDougal's? Not happening. You're taking that extra $3.99. Hauling your ass to Blockbuster for these fine movies. For some reason, in 1998, one of the top releases was Time Cop. It came back with a vengeance. Time Cop was one of the top releases for rent at Blockbuster, followed up by Air Force One and Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? Good Burger 2. Is that come out yet? I can't think of it. Has. Is it even coming out or is it going straight to streaming? It may go straight to streaming. Maybe it'll go to Disney Plus or Nickelodeon Plus or whatever plus they have now. It will be there. It's Paramount. 
Paramount Plus. Oh, thanks. it's out on Paramount Plus. It's streaming right now. Oh, it is Seven. streaming right now. We watched it six times already. Seven. Seven. Okay. Keenan, you know he's got it in the background. I can see it on his video. Yeah, it's reflecting off his yellow submarine in the background. I can see Kel Thompson, the longest tenured. He has to be the longest tenured person ever on SNL. Tim Meadows was around for a long time, but I think Keenan has far surpassed. Like Fifteen years? Sixteen years? I don't and, know how he and does he it. He came from sketch comedy prior because he was in all that on Nickelodeon. I forgot that he was. Yeah. But one person we never forget, and Kevin, in honor of your 40th birthday celebration, we're gonna throw over to a special guest let's hear it who are we talking about people started looking at me different put me up on this pedestal like i was some kind of saint or something you know and i was like man I i'm just a saint or simple saint. alan jackson has arrived on the show for kevin's 4-0 and just so you know everybody he was in the studio in 1998 this studio this studio 536 writing his seventh studio album high mileage okay alan jackson welcome back now off to kurt loader and MTV News. Hi, I'm Kurt Loder with an MTV News Brief. Dr. Dre's Afterbath Entertainment, his record label, signs then unknown rapper. Maybe you guys can help me with this. E Minum? Yep. E Minum. That's right. That's right. E Minum was signed by Dr. Dre for Aftermath. So Eminem makes his start right here with Dr. Dre. And now everybody, a little. He was from the uh, four plus four kilometer. I've... That's terrible. <laughs> Are you trying to do eight miles? I was going to try and do some weird twist on eight miles. That, being failed. a Navy man, do you know the quick conversion from miles to kilometers? Like how We don't use kilometers in the Navy. It's it's not nautical miles. All right, so how many nautical miles is eight mile? I don't fucking know. Jesus Christ. All right, never mind. God damn it. News of the weird time. That was legitness. Yeah, it was. Okay. <laughs> Got him. Wait a minute. Who are you? Oh, my God. So here's a little news of the weird here. Season 14. Here we go. The notorious Japanese TV game show Super Jockey, which features stunts and such contestants competing to eat repulsive flavored ice cream, began selling commercial time on the show recently by inviting potential sponsors to present bikini clad women who would endure dunkings in scalding hot water and then be rewarded with commercial time equivalent to the number of seconds they endured pain. Whoa. So if you want some commercial time there, sweetheart, here's about 1500 degree water. However long you stay in there, you'll get free commercial time. Guess what? Dead. <laughs> Here we go. Golf imitates miniature golf in May at Beaver Brook Golf Course in Haydenville, Massachusetts. Todd Obachowski, great name, was credited with a hole-in-one on a par three hole. Like, whatever. Who doesn't do that? Neither of us have. After his tee shot went over the green and onto a highway, hit a passing Toyota driven by Nancy Bashand, ricocheted back to the green, and rolled into the cup. At least eight golfers witnessed this amazing hole-in-one. And in your final news of the weird, local story out of Boardman, Ohio, in okay. 1998. Title of the article, Another Item Stored in a Rectum. A marijuana pipe, which police and Boardman recovered during a drug bust in June, but a which seemed... Jug to, bust? A drug bust. A jug bust. A jug bust. Man, if it was a jug bust, 
You got drunk at Pogo's, let me tell you that much. Oh yeah, she had great tits. Which seemed to have disappeared in the squad car as suspect William P. Miller, 35, was being driven to the police station. Police finally deduced that there was only one place in which they had looked and convinced Miller to remove it. He was charged with tampering with evidence and had a very poopy pipe. Yuck. Oh, no. Now on to the normal news. Titanic wins big at the Oscars, along with Helen Hunt and the Departed Zone, Jack Nicholson. Well, I won a lot with Helen Hunt, and I had a poopy pipe. One person who did not have a poop pipe, Mr. George Michael. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to The Sports Machine. In front of 62,000 people plus at the Georgia Dome, the Chicago Bulls beat the Atlanta Hawks 89-74. to And here's a little recent trivia, in case you guys didn't know it. The current owner of the Atlanta Hawks, Jamie Gertz. Yep. That's right. You know her from the movie Twister. Look, they got cows! One of my mom's favorite lines in movie history. Speaking of history, in this time, 1998, Stone Cold Steve Austin beats the Heart kid Shawn Michaels losing a smile to win his first WWF championship at WrestleMania 14. Shawn had the broken back. The broken back, the broken smile, the broken heart. He went away, found the Lord, cut his hair, wore brown tights. Yeah. The end. Number one. And he learned how to make his eye do something weird too. Wasn't that a trick he learned how to do? So the funny thing about that eye, he was just doing a random match with Kane. He took a choke slam and it knocked his eye wonky. He's like, I got back into Gorilla and I looked in the mirror and my eye was just in a wonky state. And it's always been that way. And if you look at Shawn Michaels now, woof. He might be the penultimate. That's the wrong word. The the ultimate example of Studley uh, to Chudley. Yes. Yeah. Reality show idea. Studley to Chudley. And it's not even like he like, you know, gained 100 pounds and let himself go. He's thin. He's in shape. It's just his face. (laughs) He looks like Emil from Robocop after the toxic waste accident. Now, hopefully. Oh, my God. That is fucking brutal. Ruth, I'm sorry. No offense. And your number one movie in the movie theater for 15 straight weeks is Titanic the juggernaut that never will end. Weird. No one even saw that. Never saw it. Don't believe it. Jack should have lived Thank and you. Rose should have died. And your number one song, big surprise, My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. However, we're talking about 1998. Let's talk about some of the bangers. Yeah. That took well, place. Don't in- give away too many. Let's not give away too many. For instance, One Week, Bare Naked Ladies. Mm-hmm. Great song. Fastball with The Way, uh-huh. underrated. American Woman, Lullaby, Jumper crushed by Jennifer Page. And I wish in 1998 they re released the remix of In the House of Stone and Light. No, with Martin Page. It just ruined my birthday. One of the greatest songs of all time. It was going to be. Why would you bring that up on this on this episode? Uh, it was going to be in The Big Lebowski, but no. they couldn't get the rights because Martin, no. Martin Page wanted to be Walter Sobchak and it didn't work out, unfortunately. Well, thank God for that. But that's all that was going on in and around March of 1998. This movie famously has one of the best examples of one of my favorite things. Clean version edits for television. Oh, the best. Instead of, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. You see what happens? This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, Larry. This is what happens, Larry. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass? We get, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. 
See what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? Would you say this ranks right up there with Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falcon? It does. And the pantheon of them in Major League, strike this guy out. <laughs> and then Friday, which is Friday's fantastic. And uh, smoke it back here, taking a squat. <laughs> it's just so bad. All right. So I was going to say, let's find out why the plot really tied the room together. But I'm finding out in real time that um, I don't have all the notes I need. So we're going to crowd. We're going to We're going to crowdsource this i have a portion of notes and then we're gonna we're gonna take it from there we'll do it live yes exactly we're live pal <laughs> the big lebowski takes place in 1991 perpetual slacker and avid bowler jeffrey the dude lebowski is attacked in his home by two idiots who work for porn mogul jackie treehorn a different jeffrey lebowski's wife bunny owes jackie treehorn money before the enforcers realize they've got the wrong guy they piss on his rug on the rug, man. See? See what happens, Lebowski? You see what happens? Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. Your wife is Bunny. My, my, my wife? Bunny? Do you see a wedding ring on my finger? Does this place look like I'm fucking married? The toilet seat's up, man. The fuck is this? Obviously, you're not a golfer. That sets our entire story into motion. They peed on your fucking rug, dude. The dude tells his bowling team, Walter and Donnie, what has happened. Then he makes the decision to try and get reimbursed for the rug by the Jeffrey Lebowski, the titular Big Lebowski. Uh, the dude minds. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. I mean, your wife owes me- My wife is not the issue here. I hope that someday my wife will learn to live on her allowance, which is ample. But if she does not, that is her problem, not mine. Just as the rug is your problem. Just as every bum's lot in life is his own responsibility, regardless of who he chooses to blame. I didn't blame anyone for the loss of my legs. Some Chinaman took them from me in Korea, but I went out and achieved anyway. <laughs> I cannot solve your problem, sir. Only you can. Oh, fuck it. Yes, that's your answer. That's your answer to everything. This Jeff Lebowski lives in a big mansion, has a butler, the whole deal. This meeting does not go well. The dude gets kicked out, but manages to convince the butler that he is allowed to take any rug he wants. As he leaves, he meets Jeffrey Lebowski's wife, Bunny, and her German nihilist friend, Uli. It seems like, at most, maybe a few days pass, and then Bunny is apparently kidnapped. The big Lebowski then hires the dude to deliver one million dollars of ransom money and he would get twenty thousand dollars in exchange and this is where my notes end so from here basically walter convinces the dude that they should throw out a ringer what the have they called yet what the hell is this my dirty undies dude laundry the whites walter i'm sure there's a reason you brought your dirty undies man. that's right dude the weight the ringer cannot look empty walter what the fuck are you thinking man you're right dude 
I got to thinking. I got to thinking, why should we settle for a measly fucking we? 20 grand? What the fuck we? You said you just wanted to come along. My point, dude, is why should we settle for 20 grand when we can keep the entire million? Am I wrong? Yes, you're wrong. This isn't a fucking game, man. Oh, but it is a game. You said so yourself. She kidnapped herself. Yeah. It's Walter is taking this way too seriously. Like, yes. it somehow loops into Vietnam. Everything yes. loops into Everything Vietnam. Everything loops into Vietnam. So Walter tells the dude, we got to throw out a ringer. We got to keep the cash. <laughs> so they do. They throw out a ringer. Full of underwear. Full of underwear. They keep the cash. They're at the bowling alley discussing all of this. And the dude's car is stolen from the bowling alley parking lot. He ends up getting the car back. There's no briefcase. But there is homework from yeah. a kid who they go to his house, convinced he has the money. They interrogate him. Does not have the money. Does not is, say a word. Does not say a word. Is not talking. He's a mute. They think they're just out the money. So eventually, the Big Lebowski tells the dude, you're on the hook now. Like, I'm sending the bad guys after you. Your life was in her hands. Or her life was in your hands. You know, the whole story there. And meanwhile, within the first five minutes of that kidnapping, the dude even says, she kidnapped herself, yeah, man. She kidnapped herself, <laughs> right. And he was right yeah. in the end. But uh, so he's basically being threatened by these idiot henchmen, by these nihilists. Oh, nice marmot. Think we are kidding or thinking with the funny stuff? Yeah. If you thinks you haven't dreamed of Lebowski. Yeah, he believes in nothing. He believes in nothing, Lebowski, nothing. And tomorrow we come back and we cut off your Johnson. Maude Lebowski, which is the big Lebowski's daughter. So hot. Is trying to get the dude to impregnate her. Weird. They're I get it. in a bowling tournament throughout the movie. And in the end, yeah, it turns out that Bunny has kidnapped herself. She's broke. She owes money all over town. So she just wanted the money. That big Lebowski. Well, she didn't. She really wasn't kidnapped. No, she wasn't even kidnapped. Exactly. She just was visiting friends. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And you learn that later when she does come back so yeah and then i don't know if that's a logic thing or when we start talking about like our favorite scenes and everything but you know how how do the you got to remember that the nihilists yeah they're after the money yes you know and then They'll say the whole thing with actual Jeffrey Lebowski is using it as a way to get rid of some money. Well, he's broke. And so he's stole a million dollars from the little Lebowski urban achievers. <laughs> and he's trying to put that million dollars into his own pocket rather than in the foundation. Because it's actually Maude Lebowski who has the money. I think that pretty much fills it in. We'll we'll fill in the uh, the gaps when yeah. we go through our best scenes. So let's get the characters first. We have Jeff Bridges as Jeffrey the Dude Lebowski. The first choice, Mel Gibson. <laughs> but he did not take the pitch seriously. Once Jeff Bridges' name was mentioned, the Coens decided he was the guy. Oh, definitely. So yeah. they put the script on the back burner and ma they made two movies in the interim to wait for him to be free. Ooh. They were like, we will take as long as it takes to get Jeff Bridges to be in this movie. No Tim Robbins. Wow. No. Bridges was afraid to take the role because he was afraid he was setting a bad example for his daughters. He wore a lot of his own clothes to play the dude, which I just love so much. And the rest were found at thrift. 
thrift stores with the note to the costume designer that the character is terminally relaxed, which yeah. I like that term. I love that quote. I like yeah. to feel that about myself. John Goodman is Walter Sobchak. The role was written with Goodman in mind. Julianne Moore is Maude Lebowski. Steve Buscemi is Theodore Donald. Donnie Karabatsos, the role was written with Buscemi in mind. David Huddleston is Jeffrey the Big Lebowski. Their wish list was fascinating. Their first choice, Marlon Brando. Then Robert Duvall, who hated the script. Can you imagine Bobby D reading this script? Anthony Hopkins, who would not play an American, and Gene Hackman, who was on a break from acting. They had a backup list too, which had a bunch of legendary names, but ultimately decided on David Huddleston, which is great. He's, he's perfect. Yeah, because I couldn't imagine Marlon Brando. Hey, you could pick any rug you want. Take a rug. It's all over here. Philip Seymour uh, Hoffman is Brandt. Rest in peace. Tara Reed is Bunny Lebowski. John Turturro as Jesus Quintana. Nobody fucking with the Jesus. Sam Elliott is the stranger. Roll was written for Sam Elliott. They wanted him the whole time and they got him. Anybody else we want to mention? So uh, the Nihilists, which is a band, Autobahn, Peter Stormare, yeah. Torsten Vogues, and Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. All right. Which actor actress gives a passable performance as any non-lead character steal scenes? Corey. I don't know if non-leads, but Jeff Bridges is the best. Oh, he's amazing. He's so good in his this career. Role. I mean, he had an amazing career, but this is like the definitive Jeff Bridges role. Yeah. During that whole movie, it's like anytime he was talking, I'm like, I don't know what he's going on about, but I'm here for it. So so I, to me, the ultimate performance in this movie, Philip Seymour Hoffman is Brant. So <laughs> I love when they're poolside. Our guest has to be getting along, Mrs. Lebowski. Oh, you're bunny. I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. Wonderful woman. We're all, we're all very fond of her, very free spirited. Brant can't watch though, or he has to pay a hundred. <laughs> That's marvelous. Uh, I'm just going to go find a cash machine. And she offers to what? Oh, yeah. I'll suck your dick. And he can, you know. He for a thousand dollars. And he can watch for another 20. Yeah. And he just said that. <laughs> yeah. He's so fucking good, man. I miss PSH, man. I, I'm pretty sure. I think it was David Cross was uh, auditioned for that role and thought he did good and everything. And then he said when he saw the movie come out and he saw Philip Seymour Hoffman, he's like, oh, yeah, that's what they wanted. Like, yeah. that's how to play. Well, he also just came off of Twister and Boogie Nights. Yeah. Home run. Incredible, dude. Seth, you have anybody you want to mention? I've been thinking about this last couple of days. And honestly, I want to say every time that you get a small character, they steal the scene. Yes. So Bran, you know, PSH, he steals those scenes. When Peter Stormare, even when they show him in the video for log jamming. Hi. Hello. My the dispatcher says there's something wrong with Dinah Carver. Yeah, come on in. I'm not really sure exactly what's really wrong with the cable. That's why they sent me. I am an expert. The TV's in here. You recognize uh, her, of course. Oh, that's my friend Sherry. She just came over to use a shower. The story is ludicrous. My name is college an expert. You must be here to fix the cable. Lord, you can imagine where it goes from here. He fixes the cable. Just that like 10 seconds of when he's there, he's I'm here to fix Donna Cable. That's perfect. So they utilized all of them at their best. But if I have to pick one, it's John Goodman. Oh, oh yeah, Walter. I'm saying I see what you're getting at, dude. He kept the money. My point is, <clears throat> here we are. It's Shabbos, Shabbos, the Sabbath. 
which I'm allowed to break only if it's a matter of life or death. Will you come off it, Walter? You're not even fucking Jewish, man. What the fuck are you talking man, about? You're fucking Polish Catholic. What the fuck are you talking about? I converted when I married Cynthia. Yeah, come on, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, know this. Yeah, and five fucking years ago, you were divorced. So what do you say? When you get divorced, you turn in your library card, you get a new license, you stop being Jewish? Uh, this is the drama. Jewish Jewish fucking tub, you. Man, you know, it's, it's all a part of your sick Cynthia thing. Man, taking care of her fucking dog, going to her fucking synagogue. You're living in the fucking past. 3,000 years of beautiful tradition from Moses to Sandy Koufax. You're goddamn right I'm living in the fucking past. Every single thing that he does, his the timing and his gaps when he is getting ramped up about something and then he just pauses and says, oh, and dude, the correct nomenclature is Asian Americans. Like just the tone in his voice, everything that he does, I think it's definitely Walter Sobchak. So this is a staple of Coen Brothers movies. I mean, probably my favorite movie of all time, Inside Lewin Davis. Like you just when you watch Coen Brothers movie, it's like everyone is there to just give 110%. Like you've never seen a bad performance in a Coen Brothers movie i mean you watch no country for old man a serious man like even the bit parts even the one-liners and two-liners these people are killing it in every coen brothers movie so that is like i mean the biggest possible compliment you could give to them like Corey, you said this was lauren's first time watching the big lebowski what other commentary did she give you like were there any scenes that she brought up and basically was like what the fuck is this because i'm curious from somebody's like a first time watching I mean, I get it because i think it's yeah. over necessarily complicated just like the movie just steers you around for two hours just for it to be the simplest explanation like did anything finally hit with her and she went oh it's funny because when we right when we were done she was like i don't like that at all and then we were talking about it the next day i was like did you think about it at all and she's like well kind of and she's like i don't think it's a bad movie she's just i just don't feel like there was any like, was this her first coen brothers movie probably okay i so i think again i i get it like the movie wears a costume of being almost like a whodunit or a mystery to find out in the end it's it's just a facade because you're watching like a character study so the whole movie is this you know elaborate story that's not really a story at all because like you said dude says it she kidnapped herself man which isn't again not necessarily true yeah. she kidnapped herself but but yes it's it's just a character study about this dude and his friends and it should be a character study too about the landlord of his building yes. and these shirts and sh <laughs> clothes that he decides to wear seems like the nicest guy ever who tries really hard to be your friend yeah. And he never should be. And he hey, looks like he smells like piss. Hey, dude, it's going to be the 15th already. Far out, man. Far out, man. Dude. Hey, Marty. Dude, I, I, I finally got I got the uh, the venue I wanted. To, I'm performing my dance quintet, you know, my cycle at Crane Jackson's Fountain Street Theater on Tuesday night. And uh, I'd love it if you came and gave me notes. I'll be there, man. <laughs> uh Dude, uh, tomorrow's already the 10th. Far out. Oh, oh, all right, okay. Just, uh, just slipped it right under my door. All right, let's get into best scenes. I will start and I will say almost an hour into the movie, we meet the narrator. You got a good sarsaparilla? Sioux City sarsaparilla? Yeah, it's a good one. How you doing there, dude? Not too good, man. One of those days, huh? Yeah. Well, 
A wiser fellow than myself once said, sometimes you eat the bar and much blood. Sometimes the bar will eat you. Is that some kind of Eastern thing? Far from it. I like your style, dude. Well, I dig your style too, man. Got a whole cowboy thing going. Thank you. You're just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the fuck are you talking about? Okay, dude. Have it your way. Take her easy, dude. He sits down next to the dude at the bowling alley bar. It's a lovely little exchange. Sam Elliott, man, just kills it in this movie. He's perfect, Sam Elliott. He does the opening credits. He does the, I think he has two scenes, but he does the, dude, do you have to cuss so much? What the fuck are you talking about, man? Less Sarsaparilla. Yeah, Sioux City Sarsaparilla. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) He's like uh, the exact same character in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. By far. He's a other Ron. Mm And here's the thing. We've all been to our fair share of bars over the uh the decades there's something just different about a good bowling, bowling alley ball, ball, yes. bowling alley bars yes. i don't know what it is about I, it i had something like deep in my soul i love bowling alleys bowling alley aesthetic like the whole deal of a bowling alley like we have a bowling alley here that for the longest time was a byob bowling alley i remember that and it's incredible it's just like the best time like it's a dingy gross and like uh, the best white rush i ever had minus the one you just made me which is fucking fantastic was it a bowling alley yeah. i don't know what it is i don't I, know if it's grimy it used to be a smoking bowling shout, alley shout out to jake johnson so we had a magical day one time we used to go to bill's place oh um, where yeah. they would have 25 cent wings on monday so we went to bill's place and uh sit down at the bar probably 4 p.m and said you know hey what do you want to drink white russian uh, i don't have half and half she goes you know what let me drive or let me walk and get some the bartender leaves <laughs> goes and gets half and half for us. I remember we like tipped the shit out of her. We drank drank a shit ton, ate a bunch of wings. I think we went back, took a nap and we were, weren't drunk anymore. We yeah. were immune. It was magical. It's one of those magical days where you just drink and drink and drink and then all of a sudden you're not drunk anymore. Now when we get older, we drink and drink and drink and we're done for three days. Yes, exactly. We're fucked. So Corey, what's uh one of your best scenes? Um, Right towards the beginning, I don't really know how far in, but when they're at the bowling alley and uh, he calls a fault on Smokey. Fucking no. dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. Bullshit. Market eight, dude. Uh, excuse me. Market zero, next frame. Bullshit, Walter. Market eight, dude. Smokey, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. It's just, hey, man, it's Smokey. So his toe slipped over a little, you know? It's just a game, man. This is a league game. This determines who enters the next round robin. Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't. Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't over. Give me the marker, dude. I'm marking an eight. Smoking, my friend. You're entering a world of pain. Walter, man. You mark that frame an eight, you're entering a world of pain. I'm not. A world of pain. Look, dude, I, this is your partner. Has the whole world gone crazy? 
Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Market zero. They're calling the cops, man. Put the piece away. Market zero. Walter, put the piece away. Walter? You think I'm fucking around here, market zero? All right, it's fucking zero. You happy, you crazy fuck? Fully game smoked. Market a zero, dude. Market zero. I see, and there's one of those characters, Smokey. Ah, he's got three or four lines, and he's so good. And he's like, "Can't we just let it go?" It's league play. I just love that the climax of that scene that John Goodman's character Walter just pulls out pulls a gun down almost. and he makes him market a zero. He yeah. physically <laughs> makes him write the zero himself. And then after he disarms himself, and he was like, "Sorry, Smoke League rules." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ! You pull out a Glock on this. And then it, when they're in the parking lot, dude's like. Come Come on, Walter. You know he's got emotional problems. <laughs> uh, my first one would be when I think it's just prior to the over the line part. It's that same scene, but it's when Donnie keeps on looking back over his shoulder saying, I am the walrus. Like Lennon said, you look for the person who will benefit and, uh, uh, you know, I am uh, the walrus. You know, you'll, uh, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? I am the walrus. Uh, That's Fucking bitch. Oh, yeah. I am the walrus. That's ex Shut the fuck up, Donnie. V.I. Lennon. Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And Walter keeps on saying, shut the fuck up, Donnie. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. V.I. Lennon. You know, and, and then, yeah, that whole exchange is something that is always, that's like the first scene that I think of when I think of that movie. Really? That's awesome. I think everybody's probably got like a movie filled with so many moments. I think everybody's yeah. probably got like a little moment that sticks with them. That And even to think about Donnie doesn't have that many lines. It's most of the time it's just Walter B. Rating. I'm telling him he's out of his element. That's yeah. all Donnie is. is always Shut the out fuck of up, Donnie. Shut the fuck up. And then the ironic thing about Donnie is the one time he doesn't get a strike. He dies. Yeah. That's the fucked up thing. Well, it's the opposite of when we did The Departed. There's yeah, an the X X's. every time somebody dies. He didn't get an X. He didn't get an X, so he did die. He got a slash. He got a spare. So my first one, speaking of Donnie, we're going to his funeral where the whole rigmarole with that is they didn't want to spend the money on a, what was the receptacle? Even think that they didn't want to. It was they too much. physically couldn't. It was absurd. I mean, for God's sakes, when the dude's writing a 69 cent check, It is nice. the most moderately priced receptacle. receptacle. But when they go and they release the ashes in a Folgers can and it sprays back in dude's face, oh. and Walter is trying to like apologize, but Walter goes into the whole fucking spiel. Oh shit, dude. I'm sorry. Goddamn win. God damn it, Walter. You fucking asshole. Dude, I'm sorry. It was a fucking travesty with you, man. I'm sorry. It was an accident. What was that shit about Vietnam? Dude, I'm sorry. What the fuck does anything have to do with Vietnam? Dude, I'm what sorry. What the fuck are you talking about? Dude, I'm sorry. Talking about his beloved Vietnam, friend yeah. Donnie, how he served in Da Nang, and then dude just gets pissed, covered in Donnie's ashes. Yeah. Why does everything gotta be all fucking Vietnam? Whoever thought of that to have the ashes blow back in dude's face? <laughs> he just knows so. I mean, it is it is like genius filmmaking to be <laughs> like, started. what if he dumped the ashes and the wind blew him in his face? Seth, go. I have a story about that. So in the Navy, there is a point in your career when you make chief. 
Okay. Now I can't really talk about a lot of details, so I'm going to be very, very vague, but, uh, but I'll get to what I'm talking about. So it's a six week initiation when you make chief. And it's very structured. It's approved by uh, the Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy. The way that the chiefs in the Navy are going to initiate the new incoming chiefs. So it's all controlled. It's not like a fraternity thing. So without going into too much detail, there is a portion of that right towards the end. And it's meant to be taken very seriously. You basically, you write a eulogy for a piece of your uniform that you're never going to wear again. So we, we get our guidance, you know, Hey, you guys got to write a eulogy for this. And then one of the last nights it's right towards the end. You get rid of that, of that uniform item and you say your eulogy. And for six weeks, you're supposed to be working on it because it's supposed to be extremely heartfelt. I didn't quite understand that, or I didn't really get that it was supposed to be serious. Oh, God. I think you know where this is going. So I go online and I take Walter Sobchak's eulogy and I take out the name Donnie and I literally just did a find and replace all. And instead of Donnie, it was the that uniform item. I print it out. I throw it in my pocket. So we get to the point in the night when we're supposed to be saying our eulogy and they wanted me to go first. So I pull this out and I start reading. I'm like already laughing because I think that this is just fucking hysterical. I hear a lot of whispering behind me and then some giggling. (laughs) And then I hear somebody go, is this the fucking eulogy from Big Lebowski? And I'm like, ha ha, all right. Like some of them are getting it. I finish reading it. I'm laughing. I look back at the people behind me that are watching us and they're all just shaking their head. Then the next guy goes, the next guy goes on like a 10 minute rant, tearing up, you know, like talking about losing family members, something really, really heartfelt. And it was one of the most embarrassing slash amazing moments of my naval career. So had you went like third, would have you been like shitting your pants? Like if 100%, I wouldn't have known what to do. I am so glad that I went first because now I have a story. Everyone that I share that with, they're just like, they love it, especially if they're a fan of the movie. But I I don't know. Like, I don't know what I would have done. You would have like ripped it up and been like, then I would have had to shoot from the hip and just talk from the heart. But I mean, it was like, you know, such and such was a bowler from the shores of La Jolla. You know, like I went all the way through down in the muck in Da Nang. And like, I, you know, I'm just, and they're all just going, what the fuck is he doing? Oh yeah. So it's like that time where at Kevin's wedding, when I was the best man and his sister, well, his now sister-in-law, I was like, I'm going to wing it. I'm going to wing it. I know what to say. It probably didn't help that I was fucking loaded, but his sister now proceeds to eloquently wax poetic and go for like three or four pages where it just like heartfelt, sweet, endearing. And then here comes drunk me going, all right, everybody, I want to, I want to thank you all for being here. Uh, it's a really great day. Uh, everybody want to raise your glasses. Thank you. <laughs> Jim, Jim thanked everyone for being in an event that they're invited to. So. But people still talk about it. That's the great thing about it. I don't regret that at all. Dude leaving the doctor's appointment, Maude set him up with banging his roof to Creedon. Uh, Where? 
the and then he drops the joint on his lap and he crashes his car. <laughs> it's the whole sequence from him pounding on the roof to credence. Remember I moved to my house and we rented the U-Haul yeah, and we, we did, did that. that the whole time. It was so we fucking great. On the roof of the U-Haul. It was like, dude, every was. time, I don't know. And this is probably me dating myself age wise, but Kevin, you probably remember Seth. You probably remember. Do you remember you would get like local, like car dealership TV ads on like uh, channel eight out of Cleveland. It'd yeah. be like Mullinax Ford and Mullinax oh, yeah. Ford always played that Credence song. <laughs> I will never, ever not associate that with Mullinax Ford. Only thing we were missing was what the kids call a J. <laughs> yes. That we dropped on our lap. That's right. Corey. I guess my second one would be when dude's laying on his rug, gets punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes into that weird dream sequence of flying around. Oh, the dream sequence. That's when, when Jackie Treehorn drugs the dude's white Russian. Yeah. Which the funny thing about that too is Jackie Treehorn's on a phone call and he writes something on a notepad and he goes, I'll be right back. Dude sprints over there and does like the leaf thing where he used the side of the pencil. Yeah. It's a dude with like a big cock. <laughs> it's not even he didn't write anything. I love it. Who, who thinks of that? Yeah, right. Exactly. That's what a surprising part that gives a little bit of insight to who that guy, who the dude may have used to have like what life he used to have lived because I would never no. think to do that. No, ever. But it's, it's so fun. And then that, that dream sequence is just so well made because now, I mean, the first time I watched it, it was whatever. The second time I watched it, I was like, this is awesome. This dream. Sequence. It's that's a Kenny Rogers song. I just stopped. It's, yeah. Condition my condition was in. It's Kenny Rogers song. But now when I watch it, I try and figure out like from a filmmaking perspective, as he's rotating under the girl's legs, I'm like, how did they shoot that? So to make good. him twist, but still be under their legs. It's like good filmmaking. Saddam Hussein's the bartender. It would be or the, the shoe guy. Yeah, I remember that. If you ever watch this movie completely fucking drunk, I've never watched this drunk. I think it would be even better to enhance the experience. We're more times than I can remember. Totally loaded. I'll go off on a side quest again, if you don't mind. You know, we all joke. We say seen that movie a hundred times. How many times do we say that about a movie that we actually haven't seen a hundred times? It's just an expression. I have probably seen my friends and I back home. Shout out to Dave and Dan Haswell. Their basement was the every night of the week. Go over there and hang out and pass out. And on the weekends, we had parties and everything. We're also very glad that those people are out there existing you know the, yeah the, 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 <laughs> yeah you have a basement to host everybody exactly their basement was that was the place and uh every night after a party you name it we all fell asleep to big lebowski that was what we put on so i've probably seen the first 20 minutes at least i'm gonna say 200 times that movie for me jamie grant shout out jamie grant in his basement we get loaded and watch movies it was dazed and confused oh yeah the same thing nice dazed and confused constantly same idea yeah, probably saw the beginning of that movie, you know, until you passed out or left probably 200 times. I think the movie yep. I've seen more than anything ever is probably PCU. I literally think I've probably watched PCU more watched than any ton. movie ever. God damn. I ever really have to think about what movie. I mean, that we love PCU so much that I want to cover it again. Somehow I'm always thinking, I'm like, how can we do a redux? Do, yeah. Like how can we do PCU again and add more content? Like, like a director's cut. I want to, yeah, I want to just do it again. It'd be sweet. Hey, Kevin, can you share? on uh, the first time that you saw it though because when you said that that really I can relate to that PC the first time that no the first time that you ever saw The Big Lebowski I think I was probably in my freshman year of college and had heard people talk about it and stuff and I don't even know if I was like hip to the Coen brothers I might have seen Raising Arizona at that point which Raising Arizona was another one that I really wasn't like Raising Arizona is an alarming amount of people's favorite movie and I 
remember seeing it for the first time and being like, this movie, but now Nicolas Cage gives like an all-time performance in Raising Arizona. It's incredible. But I remember watching Big Lebowski and I probably felt somewhere along the lines the same as Lauren where I was like, that, like all of that for the like It's a lot. And I think it's because, again, they frame the movie as this like whodunit sort of, and it almost lets you down that it turns out to be nothing. But I, I think so. The first time I watched it, I probably paid too close of attention to it. And I was probably like really dialed in to see this crime or whatever, this, this who kid, who did kidnap bunny. Once you're able to remove yourself from that and watch it the second time and just see it as the character study, it's so much better. I just think that movies typically train you to have like this giant climax at the end. Yeah. And this movie just doesn't have that. Yeah. You no. kind of get a little bit, but then it's kind of just like all brushed up. Yeah. It's just, you no, know, it all kind yeah. of just works back out just fine for the dude. And back to the bowling alley. I saw it in the theater when it came out. Oh, that nice. Would, that would have to be an experience to see this in the theater. I was 15. There were three of us. Dave Haswell was one of them. We got dropped off by our parents because I didn't get my license until August of that year. So none of us could drive and our parents dropped us off. We went in and watched it and there was hardly anybody in there. It was probably the first couple of weeks that it came out. I remember there were older guys behind us. They were drinking in their beer bottles when they would like knock them over. They would roll yeah. forward towards the screen. They were hitting us in the feet and we walked out of there all kind of looking at each other going like, yeah, it was good. But, you know, kind of. And we didn't really get it then. Yes. And then, you know, we came back around to it a few years later probably senior year of high school, first year of college. And then that's when we started to really see what kind of art it was. And we really appreciated it. Yeah. Like I said, now, and the thing I love about the Cohen brothers, they can make a movie like a raising Arizona or big Lebowski. No country for old men may be the greatest film ever made. Like it is, and it's serious. It's not a comedy. There's almost no comedic elements to it. What Anton Chigurh is not funny. No, not at all. What a shame. Um, But it's one of the best films ever made. And it's, it is a stone cold serious, film never seen it i know you i've been <laughs> wanting to cover it on the podcast but it's also bordering on that territory where you know we talk about best scenes but then you get the logic and stuff and you're kind of like hey it's it's just everything you'd say about that movie is like yeah that movie's great it'd like, be a great like, episode to cover but the content wise isn't really there I, I, yeah i think you might just need to leave it it's just such a great you should watch it enjoy it i have i can't say it because it's a spoiler i have one enormous issue with that movie though that like i I cannot stand in it. Just one thing where I'm like, why did you do that? Why did you choose to do that? Now, if I were to watch that movie, would I be able to guess what the one thing is that made me piss you off? Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So finally, nobody fuck it with the Jesus. Oh, yeah. The fact that you have Jesus Quintana. Yep who is an over-the-top bowler, hairnet, purple-matching outfit, but it's the fact that fucking Walter Sobchak, in the midst of Jesus hitting a strike, licking the ball, not sanitary, because you don't know where that ball-washing thing has been. It's disgusting. He also does clean his ball off like he's cleaning his actual balls off, but it's the Walter line of where he said, Pederast, dude. Fucking Santana. A creep can roll, man. Yeah, but he's a pervert, dude. Yeah. No, he's a sex offender with a record. He did six months of Chino for exposing himself to an eight-year-old. Huh. When he moved to Hollywood, he had to go door to door to tell everyone he was a petter ass. What's a petter ass, Walter? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Yep. And then you see the scene of Jesus going through the neighborhood, having to tell yep. people that he's on a list. My point is- Are you ready to be fucked, man? 
I see you roll your way into the semis. Dios mío, man. Liam and me, we're gonna fuck you up. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Let me tell you something, Pandeo. You pull any of your crazy shit with us, you flash a piece out on the lanes, I'll take it away from you and stick it up your ass and pull the fucking trigger till it goes click. Jesus. You said it, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Eight-year-olds, dude. I love that scene because yeah. when Jesus is saying, I fuck you up, and he's telling him the Holy Spit and the whole thing. I fuck you in the ass. They just sit there and look at him. It's that Walter look where yeah. it's like. They don't say a word. <laughs> no. They just look at him and just let him go. Yeah. John Turturro was so great. And John Turturro's in a ton of Coen Brothers movies. Yeah. I mean, Barton Fink's like pretty much his movie. Tim Robbins podcast, Constant. He's Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, yeah. John Goodman's in a bunch of them. John Goodman is in Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah. Street can roll, man. Uh, any, sad, Corey, anything you still want to mention? I do want to mention no Knox Harrington, the video artist. <laughs> I love Knox Harrington. Yeah. Oh, you're Lebowski. Yeah. Marty's told me all about you. She'll be back in a minute. Sit down. Do you want a drink? Yeah, sure. White Russian. The bar's over there. It's what you do, Lebowski. Who the fuck are you, man? <laughs> Just a friend of Marty's. Yeah, the friend with a cleft asshole. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, nothing much. <laughs> what the fuck is with this guy? Who is he? Knox Harrington, the video artist. Like, that's just such a small part, and that's the only time that you see him. But just the whole... <laughs> yeah, and the dude's like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Video oh. artist. It's the one time when dude actually seems legitimately annoyed and yeah. pissed off at a dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's Knox Harrington, the video artist. And he's like, and you don't know if he's laughing at the dude or he's laughing to himself. Because he's reading a magazine. Yeah. And then they answer the phone, and they're not even speaking English. No. Like, it's pretty funny. I want to give a general... Let's put a general question out there in the ether. Then when to hear what you guys personally think julianne moore hot or not in Kevin. general or in, in general. this movie in okay let's say in this movie and then in general yes and yes okay Corey, julianne moore hot or not what character is that Maude she's Maude lebowski in this yes i don't know what she looks like currently okay seth wow. I hate Julianne Moore, and this is the only role that I actually can tolerate her in. You didn't like her in Boogie Nights. No, I just don't like her. I've I always had a crush on her. I will tell you my issue with Julianne Moore. She's 63 now. She still looks great. My issue with Julianne Moore is when she played Clarice Starling in Hannibal. Yeah. Because they replaced Jodie Foster with, with Julianne Moore. Who's the polar opposite physically. And it's just not fair to Julianne Moore to play that character that won Jodie Foster an Oscar. Like, here's the thing. In that instance, did they not reach out to Jodie Foster to see if she wanted to reprise her role? I think they did, and she was done. She but then you have run. Julianne Moore. At least, would you not want an analog that somewhat looks like her? Yeah, but that's where you ask yourself, though. Is it more important to look just like her or to get the quality yeah. and suspend disbelief on how she looks? It's bad that we're in a time in which if they did that movie now, we could say it's a multiverse or it's, you know, it's some right. sort of like Marvel yeah, probably. deal. I mean, in Red Dragon... 
Ray Fiennes eats a painting. So I remember laughing out loud in that, in the theater and people did not appreciate <laughs> my genuine reaction. The dude's been trying to see this painting. And then when he finally does, he starts ripping it up and eating it. No, I mean, and I'm like, I fucking lost it. There's a movie I genuinely, like I remotely even want to see. Like right now I want to see Godzilla minus one. Yeah. You've been talking about that. So if there's a movie I even kind of want to see, it's the whole, for me, I love at the drive-in the band. Yeah. And at the drive-in came around a couple times and I remember thinking, I'll see him next time. You know, I got shit going on. That's how we felt about gin blossoms. I'll catch him next time through. And then they broke up and didn't play together for like 20 years or something. Yeah. So when a movie's in like Big Lebowski, great example. I would have loved to have seen Big Lebowski in the theater, but I didn't really know about it at the time, like whatever. So I don't think I would have understood this as a seven. No, I don't either. But I, I, so I don't want to miss out on stuff. Yeah. I am so glad that I saw Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight in the theaters when I was like 11 years old. Such an interesting choice. Hell yeah. That would be great. I saw Friday uh-huh. in theaters as a little like 10 year old white boy or whatever I was. <laughs> I see whatever you were. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a shapeshifter. I'm sorry. Um, but like, I just. I don't want to miss out on seeing something legendary in theaters, something I'll look back and regret, man, I never got to see that in theaters. And we'll get to it a little later with like the fanfare around Big Lebowski. Yeah, Lebowski. But like, if you want to see it in theaters, you can now for sure, except you're going to have to see it in a room with 300 fat dudes wearing robes. Yeah. You know, and, and quoting the whole thing. The, yeah, exactly. So, right. Definitely a pool in this one because Uli is drunk and passed out in the pool and I I like his style. Do you want to get to in the pool, Lebowski. Got to in the pool. You got to swim. My name is Uli Kunkel. I like to wear wiggy waves and ad- ad- All right, a concept Seth's familiar with because he was on here to to do it with us before. We're drafting 1998. So draft style, it could be pop culture, historical events, movies, music, video games, toys, anything from 1998. So once something's taken, it's gone. We're going to go through our picks and I am the birthday man. I can't call myself a birthday boy because I'm 40 now. Time to grow up. So I'm the birthday man. I'm going to say I'm going to go first uh, because I don't want to miss out on my first pick. And then I'm going to go. Corey, because I'm going to go youngest to oldest. So me, Corey, Seth, Jim. Ageist. Ageist, for sure. I'm going Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Not what I expected. Such a good pick. Wow. My favorite video game of all time, developed and published by Nintendo. It was the first 3D Zelda game. The Z targeting system became the standard on like all action-based games like this. The music-based puzzles, the length of the game, the story, all great. My only gripe with this game, and this is solely on me for sucking at video games, is that I could not defeat Ganondorf in the final battle. I reached him. I tried probably a hundred times to beat him and couldn't. I walked away. I didn't play it for six months or a year. I went back. I beat him and I didn't feel good about it. Really? Because I wanted to beat it when I was playing it. Okay. And I wanted to do it like then. And then once I couldn't, I was done. I didn't care. That sucks. Yeah. But but at least you beat it. The legacy of that continues too, because they do what is called a randomizer now. I heard about this. They shuffle all the items in different dungeons. Huh. And you could, you start as a kid 
and then you can switch freely between being a kid and adult and you can just do pieces of the game. Nice. So it almost makes it like a Metroid yeah. style. Um, and you can get lucky and, recently. And you can get lucky and even start with the Master Sword. So it's yeah. like you're already yeah. in. I dig it. Yeah. I like that. That's pretty, pretty cool. All right, Corey. Well, since Kevin stole my first one, I know you guys aren't fans, but I think Pokemon Red and Blue is going to be my number one. Okay. Yeah, Charizard. Best selling game in the US during mm-hmm. that time period um, on a handheld which is pretty crazy as well but the legacy that pokemon's carried on from that the juggernaut is that why the success of red blue is that why everything that followed it well so the game definitely helped bring like the anime and the card game and all that stuff because the year after this we got the pokemon card game on like pc and stuff we just missed pokemon that's the problem and thank like, god we did it because it like was we were too old by the time it got popular and then i felt like by the time it like re-caught on and and had a whole because like it's still happening it didn't go away necessarily but yeah they still make games yeah i used to enjoy i think probably playing at your house was stadium pokemon oh, yeah. stadium yep. yeah pokemon stadium used to be pretty fun i tried playing pokemon what was it years ago and i was like i don't I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> what was the difference? I was uh, blue. They're just they're one was exclusive. red, one was blue. Oh, <laughs> there is a from red and blue. There's just a couple exclusives. So okay. forced you to trade. And so when we were talking about ruby, diamond, sapphire, whatever other ones we've been talking about, emerald, chocolate, chocolate yeah, vanilla, uh, yeah, Easter so egg, whatever. Usually it's just like that exclusive Pokemon that you can forces you to trade. Uh-huh. But then you get like that third game. So this one would be yellow, for instance. And they added like the Pikachu falling behind you and they kind of changed the story to fit okay. the anime more than the game itself okay. so i was 16 years old i was at all american comics in downtown warren uh with my friend john we were stopping in there to look at some stuff and i must have pulled my wallet out and set it down the only other people in the store were these little fucking kids that to this very day they were looking at like pokemon cards or something they are forever known in my head as the little pokemon fucks that stole my wallet <laughs> i went back and my wallet was gone the kids were gone. I asked the guy working, hey, did you see a wall? He's like, no. I said, has anybody else been in here? He said, nope, just those kids after you guys left. Yeah. To this day, and what do I have? I have a 13-year-old son that is obsessed with that shit. Yep, karma. I uh, yeah. I always say the wallet thing, if I lose my wallet, if I have a fucking million dollars and I take the million dollars, I want my IDs, my cards. Because if yeah. you've ever had to cancel that stuff and I've get new, oh yeah. God, what a nightmare. So, because for some reason it takes two weeks to get a debit card back. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Seth, you ready for your pick? Yeah, I'm going to take a low-hanging fruit here, and I'm going to say uh, the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Yep, that was yep. my next one. You the, uh, as I wrote it, Clinton impeached for cigar pussy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a much more artistic way of saying it. When Seth and I were going through Discord last night, we were talking. We're like, do you have an idea what Kevin might take at number one? I thought you were taking this because I think Seth and I both said, this is kind of the slam dunk lock in 98. Yeah. It was the story where the president got impeached over a yeah, blow. So during his second term in office, Clinton got impeached December of 98 for having a sexual affair with White House intern Monica Lewinsky between 95 and 97, which would have only made her like 22 years old when that started. Legal. 
They didn't do the full hunk of chunka, but he did penetrate her with a cigar. Lewinsky was reassigned because even people in the White House knew it was happening. Yeah. So they reassigned her because they were like, oh, you're spending too much time with Willie. Linda Tripp told Monica Lewinsky to keep a cum-stained dress as evidence. And Tripp had secretly recorded their phone calls. To me, that's like the only fascinating thing about the trial and the impeachment and all that was how many awkward conversations it probably led between parents and children. Because the news cycle, the magazines, the tablets, 100% dominated by the Clinton scandal. I, I could just imagine a kid being like, Mom, what's cum? What's semen? <laughs> you know, what are they talking about? I will never forget the iconic speech of, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. It's amazing. You look back on it now. President got impeached and almost thrown out of office for a blowjob. And, and we've seen so much worse. And honestly, so much he more. may have kept his wife from becoming president over that. Yeah. I mean, it may it have still, played a role. It played a role because it haunted her. Because, yes. hey, remember that time she stayed with him? Yeah, she did. But then again, maybe she becomes president if she would have divorced him. But how does that look for him or Gore trying to get an office in 2000? Yeah, well, so, he, in he invented the Internet. He did. My first pick in the 19. 98 draft. It was the first time in recorded history, the history of the world since I believe the end of the dinosaurs where two people came together and created something I call magic. That is right. Ladies and gentlemen, it is we as a human race were gifted the sweet sounds of Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page on the Godzilla soundtrack <laughs> with oh my God. the movie, just the soundtrack. No, I'm picking the song yeah. because I will not forget running out to Waves music in Eastwood Mall. And this is when I was obsessed with Puff Daddy. Like, Puff Daddy was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I had to have everything Puff Daddy. I wanted to call myself Puff Daddy, even though I didn't call myself Puff Daddy. I wish I did now. But I can remember just buying this soundtrack. To this day, never seen the 98 Godzilla movie. Oh. Don't care to see the 98 Godzilla you know, movie. It would have allowed you to draft just the hoopla surrounding the movie. It was insane. Amazing example of gigantic marketing machine. Nuts. Taco Bell with the cops, you know, the Yo Cuero Taco Bell dog next to Godzilla. Yeah. The whole, you know, I remember the Godzilla drink toppers on the cups and then the movie fucking dog shit. Well, I can remember people being irate because Godzilla looked like a giant lizard and yeah. Not a dinosaur, yeah. but we did get probably the best cover song of all time. Cashmere. It's Cashmere, but it's Come With Me with Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page. Now, I will also throw out there that we also had another cover on that album. Track four, The Wallflowers with Heroes. Yeah. One of those instances in which I think the cover version of the song was better than Bowie's original version. Going to throw it out there. Seth, you have that look on your face. Like, why the fuck would I select Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page number one? No, I was just going to make a comment on the movie Godzilla. There are people out there that legitimately think that I cried when Godzilla died at the end. <laughs> like, I don't know where they're getting this because I don't remember it. Transfer schools <laughs> because they're like, hey, there's a kid who cried during Godzilla. Fuck it. <laughs> the time that I don't know people tell me I think I just went I had an out of body experience because I don't remember it I mean I'm not saying that I didn't cry but I'm saying there's a there is a group of people out there that still to this day give me shit because they thought I was crying during that movie it's crazy I'm here to stay
I'm going to say this for, for posterity because I, so I want to do a pool check of top theatrical experiences, like the best movies you've seen in the theater, oh, the best like, experiences yeah. you've had seeing a movie in a theater. I mean, mine right off top, what I can think is I remember the like horde of people running to see when I saw Force Awakens in Columbus in yeah. the IMAX theater. You have assigned seats, but people were like running and like trampling each other to get into a theater where you have assigned seats. It was so weird. I had a really, really great time seeing Anchorman in theaters, but a bunch of them. So I'm going to do a pool check of theatrical experiences. My number one's obviously going to be in May. I know what I'm going to be Dune because I'm going to see Dune 2. Yeah. The other pool check I want to do is roller skating songs. Uh, we roller were looking at that song. CBB. would be a great one. All right. I'm going to get to my number two, September 14th, 1998 TRL debuts on MTV. I don't know if it was more a reflection of the show itself or just how many people relied on like, get off school, go home, turn on MTV. That was the thing. That was the thing to do, but it was massive. It launched a still ongoing career for Carson Daly, who had started publicly dating Jennifer Love Hewitt, probably solely because he was the host of TRL. I rock the hair flip haircut. Yep. Everyone did. Yeah. Everyone did. Any guesses on number one song on the debut episode of TRL? So this would have been 98. This would have been before the boy band crush. Kinda. Oh. That's a little bit of a hint. Right at the beginning of the uh was it Backstreet Boys? Which song? Uh quit playing games on my heart. I'll never break your heart. I almost had it. Damn it. All right, Corey. You know this. I should. Damn you it. memorize the dances and stuff. That's so. true. I still know. All right, Corey, what's your number two? I'm going to go a little different for my number two. Um, I think I'm going to go with the movie A Bug's Life. Ooh, Ooh okay. interesting. It's the first Pixar movie. You're not going with Bug by Autry, are you? <laughs> <laughs> you want sandwich. You want love. You want everything. You want bug. <laughs> no, you mean Daughtry. Daughtry, yeah. You're right. <laughs> but it's the first like Pixar movie I could ever remember remember watching um, and it just kind of stood out to me uh, like the caterpillar mm-hmm. we have one of those in our well actually Lauren has one in her car and I always mess with it when she's driving flick that's one of the characters flick, flick. and uh, I can't remember their other, yeah their other names but that's like a vacation movie yeah yeah it really is all right Zeph are you ready so his first season was in uh, 19 his first full NASCAR season was in 1979 uh, and in uh, and in 1998 Dale Earnhardt the Intimidator won his first Daytona 500 checkered flag Dale Earnhardt finally is a champion of the Daytona 500 look out on pit road every man on every crew has come out to the edge of pit lane to congratulate the man who has dominated everything there is to win in this sport, except this race, until today. Yeah, I can remember everybody lining up around the infield and giving him high fives as he came into the pits down to victory lane. That was awesome. I think he's just going to stop with when he came. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Give him hell, Dale. That was awesome. That was there was a period in my life like after like up leading into when Dale died at Daytona. What year did Dale die? Oh, one. Okay. February of oh one. Because I can remember when I did backyard wrestling and I wore my white blazer. I had a three tribute number on the thing. So okay. you can see on 
some of our VHS tapes. But I can remember that him dying at Daytona and then Dale Jr. winning the next race at Daytona, the Pepsi 400. I like literally cried. Did, it am was I, nuts. Am I wrong? And you just edit this out if I am. Did in some way, didn't Dale like almost like sacrifice himself for his son in a, in a race, in the race that he died? Here's the thing about that. So Michael Waltrip was one of his drivers. He was leading the race. Dale Jr. was second. Sterling Marlin was kind of coming up to try and Dale went for the block. What he, I mean, he's the intimidator. Yeah. And the problem was Sterling Marlin hit him in the back right quarter panel and it set him head into the wall. And he was protecting his drivers and his son to try to yeah. win this race. But the amount of like death threats, it kind of ruined Sterling Marlin career because a lot of people are like you murdered dale you killed dale fucking driving man shit's gonna happen your name's, your name's starling marlin you're gonna be all right but it's the fact that when dale died it like revolutionized safety in motorsports because now everybody you know the hans device is universal throughout all motorsports mighty ducks too right it is no it's d3 the mighty ducks so my next pick and i brought this up a couple weeks ago on a podcast and for 1998 this was the most memorable thing and it's the home run race mcguire and so after Maris had 61 and 61, we have only seen people get to maybe 58. Mm-hmm. We saw, oh, I mean, we didn't see, but Babe Ruth. 50 used to be huge. Like. That was the gold standard. And then every now and then you go, wow, he got the 58. You know, Babe Ruth had 60 and then Maris broke 61. And the amount of shit that Maris took for getting 61 because they wanted Mickey to yeah. beat Maris's streak. And then it all came down to around 95, 96, where steroids entered the game. And everybody just started getting bigger and bigger and fucking Maguire turned into Paul Bunyan and then Sammy Sosa who just like Brady Anderson never was really known for home run hitters he was basically a leadoff guy just about and next thing you know these guys just slug it out like I think Maguire and so I think Maguire had like 41 at the break and Sosa had 38 and next thing you know they're going head up head up I don't think any amount of steroids you have again the argument you have to be a phenomenal athlete you can't take a bunch of steroids and I'm not going to go hit 60 home runs you got to be a phenomenal baseball player coordination with elite hand-eye coordination steroids and and training will give you the the power and stuff but like we need to disclaimer let them do steroids and here's the thing that frustrates me and like all the all three of these guys like mcguire pariah Sammy Sosa, white guy pariah. Barry Bonds, giant head pariah. <laughs> These guys need to be thanked. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't fucking care no, about baseball I at don't. all. It was boring. I mean, I don't anymore, really. Every now and then I'll check out a Guardians game, but it's almost horrible to yeah. watch. It's a very hard watch, but in 98, we were all glued to our TV. Oh, yeah. Say what you interrupting TV shows to show at bat. Okay, Maguire's up. He's sitting on 61, and I remember his 62nd home run barely got over the fence. It was like a line drive. He didn't expect it. It was a bunt. Yeah. Was, uh, was this before Barry Bonds? Like, Jones? yes. Yeah. Barry Bonds. Wire and Sosa had this war, which was amazing. Yeah. It was back to forth. And then Bonds. Yeah. A few years later. And then McGuire ended up with 70 that year in 98. Sosa had 66. And then Bonds broke it three years later at 73. Yeah. And then no. And his head had like another 20 something. Yeah. <laughs> He Barry Bonds, 23 and a four. And I'll never, Barry Bonds still would have been a Hall of Famer if he stayed in Pittsburgh and maintained the same Yeah, body. he would have. He was an amazing hitter already before the Roids. All right, my number three, the rise and fall of Master P and No Limit Records. All the No Limit Records CDs came in the plastic case, which talk about a genius marketing strategy. Some multiple colors. Go to the record store and you knew, okay, the colored plastic CD case. Master P orange. Yeah, is a No Limit 
records. Uh, sea Murder, Silk the Shocker, so, Mystical, uh, Fiend. Yeah. There were so many. Had them all. Soldier Slim. Even Snoop Dogg was a big news story because he left Death Row Records in 98 no to go to No Limit. And that record is awful. Yeah, it's shit. But it was just a big thing. And then it was kind of just over one day. Like, it was the biggest thing in the world and then gone. And it kind of seemed like it all happened in a year. It was the biggest year of it. My favorite Master P track. It wasn't Make Him Say It. It was Captain Kirk track yeah. nine. Captain Kirk, can you save me? Captain Kirk, I want to have you, baby. Exactly. All right, Chori, you're up. <laughs> Chori? Yeah, it's your new name. All right. Chori used to have an... Uh, I won't tell that story. <laughs> remember your neighbor who used to think... Couldn't say your name, so he said it was like Chewy. Oh, I don't remember, you remember that. that. Uh-uh. I think he called your brother Chody. <laughs> oh. Chody and Chewy? Yeah. Amazing. All right, you're yeah. up, Chudy. This is our third pick, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you're thinking of memory lane there, Kevin. I'm going to go with Still Not a Player by Big Pun. Oh! Exactly. That's my comedy bit. The first time I ever heard that song was Through You. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, can't measure his dick with six rulers. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sick. I ripped my dick through your hooters. You couldn't measure my dick with six rulers. So where I come from, a ruler, I, I don't know about in the Navy, Seth, do you guys use inches or do you use <laughs> uh, kilometers, centimeters? Um, inches, yeah. yeah. So 12 inches ruler. Even if you were talking those little kids like kindergarten rulers that are six inches, Big Pun's dick is somewhere between 36 and 72 inches long. So everybody thinks he died of, of weight related Big causes. Pun. He's like Joe Falcon. But in reality, he had a six foot dick and he must have like suffocated himself in his sleep. I brought this up on the podcast <laughs> too. I remember I was listening to the song so much. My mom ran out and bought me to see. Problem was she bought it at Kmart and it was the edited version. Oh no. Oh, edited no. version of Big Pun. Still not a player. There's so much fucking dead air in it. What? It's oh, unbearable. It'd be better if they did like the made for TV and they replaced the words because what you couldn't measure my. my- Flow with six rulers. No, it wasn't even like Limp Biscuit. No, uh, it never did it. Yeah. I Big Pun, really yeah. great rapper. Come on. Like he is truly, I'm not exaggerating. He is a great rapper. He's really good. He was a really good rapper. And I'm glad he found some success. I do feel bad because like in his last release, he was like, I'm trying to live. I just lost a hundred pounds. And it was like released posthumously and they didn't remove that section. No. Where, yeah, it was. And then he became the lead singer of Color Me Bad. Well, it was just like him. All right. So we got Zeph number three. All right. Out of all the great things that happened in 1998, the United States decides to throw a fucking 77 year old man into a goddamn rocket and send him back into space. John Glenn. Jo- John Glenn, baby. That's Ohio. right. Ohio's own Senator John Glenn. Back to the yeah. cosmos. That's a good one. It actually brought light in some least media to the space program in 98. So that's a pretty good pick there. All right. I said you because I was like, it's up to me now, Kevin. So I'm going to bring it up to pick for you. (laughs) All right. So my next one, Jesus Christ, where do I go from here? All right. So I am taking one of the best things to ever happen in the history of music. It's not TRL. And I love Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page. It was great. But we got one of the best preambles of the song of all time. I wonder if she could tell if I'm hard right now. Oh, my God. When next Too Close debuted, I remember being a little kid. Like, and a little kid. I was fucking 17. But I remember being like, what the fuck did you say? And he said, I wonder if she could tell I'm hard right now. And it literally is a whole song about, I hope she doesn't realize I have a boner when she's my, my wife. Close. My wife famously my wife. thinks that it says, feel a little polka groove on you because <laughs> she I, I think she just polka groove 
I think she just was like, that song can't possibly say, feel a little poke coming through. <laughs> it's just a pop hit about a boner. And it's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's a great song. Never. Ha- I mean, they had Wifey after that, but nobody gave a fuck about that no. song. All right, Kevin. All right, my number four. I'm going with a movie we covered in season six, which may still be our longest episode because we had a lot to say. I'm going, can't hardly wait. Nice. A charming high school party movie with a great cast, great soundtrack, and Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. It's an awesome movie. I need to go to one of his, uh, I must say, I must say worship festival. <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut worship, worship festival. I think we can't go without mentioning the movie Armageddon. That was, I was waiting for it. That's our first episode. Yeah. An absolute juggernaut of a movie, a soundtrack. Aerosmith, don't want to miss a thing. God damn. Jim, I'm, I'm sitting in the <laughs> yeah. Armageddon corner of the studio. <laughs> you got Armageddon got there. Divix. Armageddon the, there. Yeah. McDonald's promotional items. I have a banner on the left of me. We are probably the only owners of a sealed $4.49 Circuit City Armageddon edition in a Divix. We can't play it in anything because if we did it, blow the fuck up yep. because that was Divix's whole thing. That's God a, damn. amazing value in the fourth round. <laughs> and then I know people have always asked, you know, I want to start a podcast. And what do we want to do it about? You figure out what do you want to do it about? And literally everybody, we probably said we need to pick a movie because I can remember sitting up in my living room and me and Kevin were like in a confab or like, what are we going to, what should our first episode be? It needs to be something that everybody knows, you know, something that was popular. And I literally think in five minutes, we said eh, Armageddon. Yeah. Everybody knows Armageddon. And that is how we decided for our first ever episode for Armageddon to become the cornerstone of our podcast. All right. So uh, not a fan of the team, but I don't know anybody back then that wasn't a fan of the player, but the Chicago Bulls win their sixth NBA title. And uh, we see Jordan play for the Bulls for the last time. Yep. I don't give a shit what anybody says. That was was a legal move. He did not really push off a of Brian Russell. It was probably the statement shot in the history of sports. And then why did Jordan have to come back to play for the Wizards? I'll never understand I don't it. No, either. Did he legitimately think he could have won a title with the Wizards? He, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it was probably an ego thing and probably a humbling experience. But can you think of just an iconic shot like pushed off? Yeah. Whatever. Brian Russell and just posed it. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan, open, Chicago with the lead. And then yeah. beat him in Utah. It was. Remember he fought Carl Malone down the court. Thank oh, that you. wasn't him. Uh, who gives a shit? That wasn't him. That was Rodman. Rodman fought Carl Malone down Thanks, the court. Rodman. Yeah. You knew something that we all didn't know yet. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I'm gonna try to get down with the kids here because the kids are all about this. All gas, no riz, no cap. That's what the kids say nowadays. And they also call each other. Cuh. So I'm picking with this because the kids are down with them. Used to watch a lot of his videos. And now I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. Mr. Beast was born, everybody. Oh, okay. YouTube juggernaut, man. Jimmy. I don't remember his last name. Montgomery or wishing. Well, I don't know what fuck <laughs> his last name is, but Mr. Beast was born in this time in 1998. And look what that dude is literally done. A girl got really mad at me because I've, I've never watched a Mr. Beast video. Not one. There was a time and I always go down the rabbit hole with certain things on YouTube. When was LA Beast born? 
have a good day. I prefer LA Beast over Mr. Beast just from a, an adult. I think we should give LA Beast all of Mr. Beast's money and see what happens. I'm that could be a Mr. Beast video. Dude. I'm giving all my money to LA Beast and see what happens. Like initially in the Mr. Beast stuff, I thought it was funny because it's before he kind of really got big and started getting all this money. He just did like a video where he decided to bury himself alive for a week. Okay. I don't know what the whole premise of it was, but it literally was, he wasn't really six feet down. It was in a clear casket and he had a video in there and he just ate. He had like a fridge in there and food. <laughs> I'm like, if you're really burying yourself, you should be somewhat dead. I, I did see a clip. I've done that for six months at a time. <laughs> I was going to say you've been underneath the sea. What, what the fuck? What a bitch. <laughs> Where are my YouTube views? Uh, <laughs> I did see, didn't Mr. Beast just go somewhere and give like a whole country access to clean water? I saw that. that that's cool. But the thing is, though, I don't know. And this is why I kind of turned off to him. I'm like, is this, are we getting like, is it bullshit? What, you think are it's we, virtue signaling? Yeah. Are we getting gimmicked? You know what I mean? I don't know. Getting worked, brother. We're getting worked. It's not no shoot. I actually think it's. I have. Uh, what, do you think it's legit? I think his videos are all bullshit. Okay. And what he does outside of that is like what he actually does. Really? Yeah. He actually is like done all those food drives and stuff around the U.S., North Carolina. But next thing you know, he like he has a burger now and he has like. Well, those are video ideas. So that's all bullshit. So then. I think that's like where he gets the money, but then he actually circulates the money into good things. Which if so, fantastic. Hey, He's awesome. the best person in the world. But here's the thing. How the fuck can, did nobody else like how, what was it about him? Well, that's, that's what I told the girl at work who got mad at me for not seeing a Mr. Beast video. I was like, what is it about Mr. Beast? He's not a bad looking guy, but he's not like he's a normal dude. He is not some like chiseled model looking square jaw dude. Yeah. He is. He's not chugga. He's not, he's not chugga. Oh, that's right. But he's not like ultra marketable as a person. So was he just early in he, um, setting the standard for I mean, that? Corey, you would know more about this stuff. I, mean, I don't know if it's necessarily early, but he figured out the algorithm. Okay. So what was, he's the only one. Yeah. Like he knows it like down to a T, like I need to hit these beats and then this video will have X million views. And from there, he just having money allowed him to yeah. elaborate, you know, like build bigger videos and props and different things. How can we get Mr. Beast on the podcast? podcast that would uh that would help us out a lot i don't know he'd um, probably be like nah, parody, <laughs> so you need fucking something and final pick and i'm out of picks because all all my stuff's been taken i've already been going into the reserves i'll just just to say a quick one world cup 98 in france oh Zinedine won, Zidane won by france their first world cup and had the ricky martin cup of life theme the cup of life Do the Spanish version way better than yeah. the English version. Awesome. Why they picked a Spanish song though for the French right. World Cup makes no sense. Was weird. Fucking awesome song and marketing. The, I remember watching it like on every TV I could find. Like I remember going like wherever we would go. I remember just finding a TV and trying to catch like a little bit of whatever game was on. And no other World Cup is really encompassed like a theme song like that. Yeah. No, there have been some others. It's just. Oh wait, Pitbull had one, didn't he? Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, him and Stevie B. Yeah, him and Stevie B. Um, with my final pick, I'm gonna go with the game F Zero X. Oh. 
nice N64 game that got a sequel on the GameCube. Basically just a fast paced. Yeah, it's like a hover like, car, hover, futuristic, uh-huh. destroy everyone around you kind of game. I still wish we would have got the Nintendo 64 DD over here. Yeah. yeah, we got. So we have GX. So when you got GX for the GameCube, they added in the arcade stuff. OK, you had to unlock it, which was like super difficult, but they added it, but they didn't have that. It wasn't the DD version that they had in Japan. You could make your own tracks with the DD version, I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get that, did we? No, we, we <sighs> never get anything good. And then it's been in purgatory for two since 2004. I think so. Yeah. I, why don't they do like a Switch F-Zero they or a Switch at- 2? Make it the launch title on Switch, Switch 2. 2. They did the F-Zero 99. Yeah, which is not a Royale awesome, version. Which is cool. Oh, but yeah, that's something, you know, you may eventually like. Yeah. All right, Seth, your final pick. All right. So my first four picks were all like major events, sports news and stuff. But I had to go with the movie here. I have to slip one in. So I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Saving Private Ryan. Ooh. Very good. One of the yeah, it was um, Vin Diesel ever. vehicle. Yeah. Best Vin Diesel vehicle. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, it was a huge event. You had um, World War II vets going to see this. You know, they were coming out of there pretty tore up. It was, you know, really taking them back. It was so, it was the first time that something that realistic had been put right in our faces. So it was a big event. I feel like a lot of people took Saving Private Ryan to try and propel something. Like Band of Brothers came out after. It is the archetype for what those types of movies should be. Well, it's one of the best opening shots in movies. They're landing on Normandy Beach. The next thing you know, they're just taking fucking gunfire and guys are getting capped right yep. in front of you. It's insane. Plus, Matt Damon. I mean, come on. We don't yep. get to see Matt Damon until near the very end of the movie. Sans Boston accent. Incredible. You got to fucking love Matt Damon. I'm sorry. I've been very music heavy on this one and I'm going to stick with it for my last pick. Once again it's another memory that will further enrage me. I can remember going to Circuit City in its original location at the top of the strip in 422. Mm-hmm. I can remember running out just so excited. I had the money in my pocket that I just got from my brand new job at Ponderosa Steakhouse. Pondo. And I'm going to get the new Van Halen album with Gary Sharon from Extreme. Yep. I call this fucking disease Van Sharon because it wasn't my Sharona. I wanted my Monona back. I listened on my way home from work today. I haven't heard the song without you for a very long time. And f- Fuck, what a pile of shit. That song was, and it's no insult to Gary Sharon at all. This Van Halen three was more of a big fucking middle finger to David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar at the same time. Like great as Eddie Van Halen was, he's probably the greatest guitar player of all time. The egos between Eddie and Alex basically saying fuck you to Sammy and Dave saying, look how great we can be without you. And the funny thing is the name of the song was without you. What a pile of shit that was. When I was listening today, I'm like, who thought in their right mind this was a great song? Well, anytime now there is a movie I want to cover, which talks a lot about Gary Sharon being the lead singer of Van Halen, so you'll just have to stick around for that one. Excited for that. Okay, let's go through some honorable mentions uh, from 98 quickly, because uh, we kind of dragged on a bit. January 1st, debut of Celebrity Deathmatch. Yeah. 
which remember like watching that and it just it does not hold up like bad what a weird concept viagra yeah started in 1998 yeah originally a heart medication in sync i want you back came to the states my favorite in sync song hedwig and the angry inch debuts off broadway a great musical and a movie version the fuck is that it's about uh someone who has a botched sex change and uh it's yike it's all it has to do with the fall of the berlin wall it's pretty cool what the fuck really it's a botched sex change in a berlin wall Mm -hmm. at the grammys odb declares wu-tang is for the children and soy bomb and soy bomb which was a big thing seinfeld finale the final Seinfeld starts in just two minutes. Tonight, Chase all new with Jerry Seinfeld plus a mystery guest, NBC Tonight. Thank you, Seinfeld, for nine great years. Now, the season finale of ER. Looking back on it now, what do you think of that? Because I think that... That's what it had to be. Initially, I was so pissed, but now, like, after watching all the Curb Your Enthusiasms, I'm like, that's perfect Larry David. Yeah. Like, it, that's what it's it needed to be. a show about nothing. Why are you going to do something different for the last episode? You look back on it now, I'm like, it was pretty much perfect. It had to just end, like, just however. Seth, what do you think about that? Because I see you uh, nodding. Well, Alex and I were talking about that this week, too. It's just another episode. Yeah. yeah. They they do a couple, you know, the final two, they wrap up, they bring a lot of the characters back, but it's, it's just another episode, and you don't end a show like that, you know, other than that way. Yes, so right. if yeah. you yeah, exactly. In retrospect, it makes perfect sense. Frank Sinatra dead at 82. Ain't that a kick in the head? Ginger what? Ginger Spice <laughs> quit the Spice Girls. Yeah, that's the downfall. And then Posh and Bex got married. Yep. Will Smith's Welcome to Miami music video cost two million dollars. How the fuck did that thing cost two million dollars? Ava Mendez. Yeah. Google mm-hmm. was formed. All my life by Casey and Jojo, Backstreet Boys, everybody. Marcy Playground, Sex and Candy. Shout out 1079 the end oh nice and just third eye blind in general yeah if third eye blind that was your year 98 and george michael masturbating in a bathroom yeah that was uh is that what he did well he said a lewd act a lewd sex act well unless he got more done in the bathroom masturbated he got by someone else maybe full bait full (laughs) throw me in jail i mean come on come on i'm throwing a bait here come on and get a food being a tamagotchi all right let's get back in the pool we've stayed out of really long time happy Happy birthday birthday, kevin Kevin. hope you have a great day here's to 40 love you hi pool seniors this is emma wishing kevin a happy 40th birthday and happy holidays still waiting to be invited to come to a scott pilgrim episode have a happy birthday happy birthday to you happy birthday to you Happy birthday, dear Kevin. Happy birthday to you and many more. To all of you pool seniors out there, I just want to say happy birthday, Mr. Kevin Bradway. This is not the end of your story. You've got many more seasons in you. You've got more reps in you. And that's coming from the former governor of Minnesota, Jesse the Body Ventura. I'll say it once again. Happy birthday. You go out there and you have yourself a good 40th. Come on, fuckhead. Relax, man. I'm a brother shameless. Brother Seamus? Like an Irish monk? What the fuck are you talking about? My name is Dofino. I'm a private snoop like you, man. What? A dick, man. And let me tell you something. I dig your work. 
playing one side against the other in bed with everybody. Fabulous stuff, man. I'm not. Fuck it, man. Just stay away from my fucking lady friend. Hey, hey I'm not messing with your special lady. She's not my special lady. She's my fucking lady friend. I'm just helping her conceive, man. Hey, man, I'm not. Who are you working for? Lebowski? Uh, Jackie Treehorn? The Knutsons. The. All right, critical question. Birthday memories, any parties, gifts, anything stand out from a previous birthday? Oh, let's start with the Corey first. Anything uh, stick out to you, Core? Me. A lot of my memories were never on my birthday because it's in March. Well, I can remember one thing, and it, it doesn't involve your birthday, but I can remember when we took Tunza for his 21st birthday. <laughs> yeah. To the, to the fucking casino in Austin. In the Club 76 on a Monday. Yeah. And he wandered off, and we didn't know where he went. And the stripper came out and said he fell asleep. And he she went was in a full panic over that when he went to get ibuprofen or something. Yeah, remember we went up to the bathroom. Like, did you see this fat kid leave a box? Like, fat kid wearing across the street. Like, what the fuck? Was he shirtless at that point? I have no idea. But I can remember the stripper coming out of the room going, your friend fell asleep in there. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess not really my birthday, but uh, when we went to Vegas, that was cool. Oh, yeah. We took Corey to Vegas, uh, but we were stuck in the airport for pretty much the entire first day because the air traffic control tower caught on fire for our connecting flight. As it does. As it does does on a daily basis caught on fire vegas post 9 11 can't have fires in air traffic control towers not anymore uh, we got to vegas at what like 10 p.m or something we pretty much lost the whole first day the whole day so next day i wanted to make up for it and i was like we're gonna go down there's this walk-up place where you can buy 55 ounce like you know novelty drinks and i think i drank so you went to bill's place pretty much i think <laughs> i drank like a 55 ounce novelty drink before 8 a.m and then we went to the pool it's 164 to let it all we were, out. We were going down the kids' slides. We were going down the kids' slides. <laughs> we drank. Remember, the best part of that is remember the girl who came up to us and we were like, what's this about? We were hammered. Girl comes up to us and gets real close to us and goes, you better know all the words. I'm so fancy by Iggy Azalea. <laughs> Fucking better. And so, then you got sun poisoning. I got sun poisoning, <laughs> which probably also is alcohol related. Did we, did we eat at Hooters? Yeah. Hooters. We ate at Hooters. Oh, Fucking Margaritaville. Margaritaville. Yeah. Never eat wings at Hooters and yeah. then leave them in a car. On your I way got back from Virginia. I got extremely sunburned. I always think about a birthday memory. I never really had like friend parties and stuff growing up, but I remember one year randomly, I think it was like 11, a bunch of my friends came over for a sleepover and my mom decided to do these games. Like one of them was like, you had to eat like five saltine crackers and try and whistle. And I could just remember like the filth of it and everybody trying to whistle and you're just spitting crackers everywhere. I'm like, mom, why would, why did we play this game? Like, but I remember that night, I think we watched Heavyweight. Nice. Favorite in the bracket. The first skinny Tony. And then we, uh, I think we went and walked around the neighborhood like instead of sleeping. We probably didn't sleep at all. Yeah. I got something super. It's sad. It's oh, pathetic. No. pathetic. I was five and there's a picture of this. It's in one of my family's photo albums. So I can remember inviting everybody in my homeroom class. <laughs> like three kids showed oh, up no. at my party. My mom felt bad so she knew at the time I was obsessed with Silverhawks. So they came to your party? So there's a picture of like my mom bought like the I can remember because we had a green dining room table it was really weird but it was all Silverhawks themed so she bought me like it was Silverhawks napkins 
napkins and table covers. And there's literally a picture of me and two of my buddies from homeroom. And I'm sitting there like happy holding like a silver hawk sign. If you look at the picture, it almost just fucking destroyed. Cause I can remember inviting everybody and bummed only two, yeah. two guys showed up. I was two guys, two guys, two guys, <laughs> two guys. my five year old brother. The girl I had a crush on Jennifer Frenzel. If you're alive, Frenzel? her name was Jennifer Frenzel, F R E N G E L. There's a picture of me and Jennifer. Jenny Ferengi. I'll never forget. It was Halloween picture. She was dressed up as Robin Hood. Okay. Whatever. But I had the biggest crush on her as a kid. And I remember inviting her to that party and she didn't show up. Oh, this man. Back to me, man. I remember date. I remember asking a girl out so I could get invited to her birthday party. <laughs> I was, that's it. Her brother's name was Dusty Rhodes. Legitimately. <laughs> Yo. I don't know if they called him Dusty because, you know, Dusty Rhodes is a famous guy. But yeah, I remember being like, uh, like everybody was going to this party and I wanted to be at this party. So I remember like asking her out. I don't think we ever officially, I'm still dating her. I don't think we ever officially <laughs> broke up because I just wanted to go to the party. It was a blast. It was yeah. so fun. It was in our one friend's neighborhood. Another kid who lived in his neighborhood had this extremely smart kid, but he was normal and everything. But he would walk to our friend's house and be like, you, you, you want to come down? And he would, he would, he would walk to our friend's house to ask him if he wanted to come to his house. Yeah. But I remember getting invited to his party and I have like embarrassment chills still. I don't mean to be a bully. Deuce chills. I think he was turning like 12 he had a fucking like big bird Sesame street theme party. I still have like, I, it's like a David Lynch movie. Like why, <laughs> what is the acceptable age to stop having a Sesame street party? I think we should uh, have one for your 41st. Let's do it. Let's... Super soft birthday party. Who's renting the Seth. You got any, uh, you got to have some memories, man. Well, you would think that, but a lot of my memories, I mean, I didn't have a 21st birthday party. Like it was my 21st. Cause I had been drinking in bars since I was like 17 or 18 or whatever. But it's either 21st or 22nd. Uh, there's a Baltimore band called Dog Fashion Disco. Yeah. Kevin, I don't know if you ever I heard of them. Tom, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they used to play, I think it was, was it Peabody's Down Under up in Cleveland, Kevin? Yep. Right behind yeah, um, House Pizza. Yeah. So we used to um, go up there whenever they were in there. I think it was my 22nd birthday. We used to play with Mushroom uh, all the time. Be they back. were always playing with Mushroom Head. Yeah. We went up there. I remember they had like $3 High Life's and, and it was like the $3 High Life and the PBR 24 ounce cans during one of the Dog Fashion Disco songs I just took a beer and I just started spinning it around and drenching everybody and then I kind of expected to start getting the look like hey knock it off asshole but everyone went fucking nuts the place got even crazier excellent excellent show I can remember one that really sticks out to me and it's a real positive my 18th birthday so I can remember our, uh, buddy Chuck and his buddy Robert God rest his soul said we're gonna do this right you're 18 we're gonna take you on the Akron strip club yep. circuit so they put me in a car First off, they took me to their friend Melissa's bar who said he can sit at the bar and have a beer. It's my bar. I don't care. So my mom pumped it in my head that if I drink a beer before I turn 21, I'll become drunk. So I sat there for two. <laughs> wait, what? Wait, that's what back she, up. That's what she said. So I ended up taking two hours to drink a bottle of Heineken because I was afraid I was going to get drunk. So I got made fun of for that. So after that, we go all these strip clubs two have been since closed. The other one was shut down and bulldozed by the health department. So we went my first one. We went to ecstasy. That was fully nude. My first nightclub or first strip club I ever do fully nude. I wore my favorite Michigan hat. Needless to say, after that, I could never wear that Michigan hat again because a girl 
on stage violated that hat. Uh-huh. It was disgusting. Took me across the street. Awesome. Then we went to this place called the Party Time Lounge, which has now been bulldozed and shut down by the health department. It was bad. There was no toilets in oh, the bathroom. Good. The toilets were removed. I'll never forget walking into the corner of the bathroom. They're like, you just piss here next to this crack in the wall. I remember pissing on the floor and then sitting at the bar and this stripper was like, do you want me to dance? I didn't have change. So I handed her a 20 and she starts dancing for me. And I almost asked for change back. And she's like, do you want another dance? You gave me 20. I was like, okay, here's the thing. She didn't take me off to the corner room. She literally, I just literally sat there. Like I was at BW3s at a bar and she just who chunked her ass into my uh, groin. And it was the weirdest thing ever, but it was the most memorable birthday I probably ever had in my life. You know, as we get older and like, that, that is one thing I like about letter Kenny. Cause like, you know, Wayne's like the toughest dude, Birda. but at the same time, he loves like the super soft birthday party. He does. And it's hard to celebrate as you get older because you start to like look like okay I'm o- I'm over the hill I'm on the other side going down like my father passed away at 60 years old and I'm turning 40 and when you look at it that way you're like I'm two thirds of the way there and you know speaking of my dad I remember when he turned 56 my mom wanted to do a surprise party for him and we told my dad like my mom was going to babysit my cousin's kids and he just assumed okay so me and him I told him like hey let's go golfing so I was like hey I got to stop and get something from mom so we pulled in. I was like, Hey, come with me. Cause I don't know how long this will take. We had a surprise party set up for him. And I remember thinking like he was so sh- He never even considered yeah, that we would have had a party for him. And he was like so emotional about it. And it's like such a great memory because it is definitely, especially people who are like hard asses about their birthday. It is nice to make a big deal out of it. I mean, it, all it represents is that we're getting a year older, but any, ch- I firmly believe like any chance you get to do something special for someone in your life that you care about, do it. Yeah. What do you have to lose it's never going to be a bad thing i will say this though i took 30 a lot harder than i took 40 40 i was like oh you know the one was hard on me was 35 literally 35 35 specifically because when i turned 30 i was like this is 30 to 40 we're prime like we're you know we're gonna get some things in order and fuck shit up but when 35 hit and you're starting to head over 35 towards 40 that's the one that was like i don't like i'm not having fun anymore yeah so (laughs) we need to figure out a way to start fucking enjoying these birthdays man yeah well i'm enjoying this one this is good good. um someone probably shouldn't come to my birthday party Mm. unless jim hired him as like a a party favor like kevin forever on his chest or something mr david mccall hey guys hey how's it going it's uh it's me mark Wahlberg. kevin happy 40th i can remember when i turned 40 okay i'm actually 38 now i kind of went back in time because i found that deloreans actually do work you know when i was in boston i played in that role where i was digum and i wanted to be like dig dug and i decided you know what man after painting gain and um after doing shooter and all those other movies i did like italian job which is pretty good okay um i decided you know what mark i'm gonna stare in that fucking mirror and look amazing okay because i have a nine pack abs i have a killer size dick it all could have been different mr walker you should have allowed nature to take its course. How big's your dick? It's killer size. Oh, whenever I touch down, anywhere I go, you want to be in LA and be safe. Happy birthday, my brother. Hey, you want to be safe, family, everything. This is 
family. Depending on how you look at this one, no logic. There's either a lot of logic or no logic. It's perfect. Because it's like no logic by design. But I will say a couple. Where does the dude get money? At least before he gets involved with the Big Lebowski. Like he has a fairly large Los Angeles apartment. And he's said multiple times he hasn't had a job in some time. He wrote a 69 cent check for half and half. For a year later. For a year later. Yeah. So like how, where's this money coming from to pay his rent? Or here's the thing too. I like to think that maybe the dude is loaded and he just never wants to show that he has any money whatsoever. That that actually tracks. Because the, even the his landlord was like, it's the 15th. He's like, right on. So he's been paying rent yeah. every single month. Well, he did see he's a roadie from Metallica, yeah. which the speed of sound tour, not a real tour. No, not a real one. But he's a roadie from Metallica. Like Coldplay. I mean, none of that, though, is big money. It's no. not like set yourself up for money. Someone asked the Coens about this, but they said they never even considered the psychological implications that Maude wants to be impregnated by a man who has the same name as her father. Was that yoga? It increases the chances of conception. <coughs> increases? Well, yes. What did you think this was all about? Fun and games? I want a child. Okay, yeah. Okay, but let me... Let me explain something about the dude. Uh, look, Jeffrey, I don't want a partner. In fact, I don't want the father to be someone I have to see socially or who have any interest in raising the child himself. Oh, so that doctor, um... Exactly. Her dad's name is Jeff Lebowski, and she's impregnated by a man named Jeff Lebowski. But what is the random thing of somebody named Lebowski ends up getting intertwined within your family who also shares the same name, but you're not related? I know. There's people out there called Smiths, everybody. I know you're yelling at your fucking thing, but it's Lebowski. It's like if I ran into another Sabella, same name spelled, and I didn't know that's we, not related to my family. We have three uh, at this table. Seth, you've got a last name that's probably fairly common. Probably come across quite a few. I actually get asked about it out here in uh, Connecticut if if I'm related to the Fowlers out wherever. And yeah. Us at this table, Sabella, Bradway, and Reisinger, I don't think there's a lot of us out there. We're a law office. It's funny because like every other Bradway, every not Bradway, but every other Kevin Bradway is like a doctor or like something very fancy. I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm so sick to this day. I will get rando people coming up to me and go, hey, you know Lou? And every time I look at him, I'm like, who is Lou? <laughs> And it's always, they confuse my last name because they think it's S-A-B-E-L-L-A. Okay. I'm only one that's Cha in Italian, Chabella. 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 What, what, any idea what it was prior to Sabella? Because like, for example. I mean, I was born a Fisher. Rocky, so. Rocky Marciano. Yeah. Was actually Marchigiano. Really? And when he got to Ellis Island, like a lot of Italians, they dropped syllables. Okay. Because they're like, no one can pronounce that. Okay. You're going to be Marciano. For instance, my dad's dad, his name was Fortunato Sabella for the longest time people could not pronounce Fortunato so everybody just called him Mike okay. so that was the story like he was never Fortunato everybody just called him Mike yeah they would uh, at Ellis Island they would drop syllables from Italian names because yeah. they were convinced they were too long and no one could say them and Italians have a lot of the hard the hard C make yeah. it the hard rather than we butcher everything America fuck you Larry didn't really steal the dude's car from the bowling alley right no he didn't is this your homework Larry Look. Man, Dude, it, please. Is this your homework, Larry? Just ask him about the car, man. Is this yours, Larry? Is this your homework, Larry? Is that your car out front? Is this your homework, Larry? We, we know it's his fucking homework. Where's the fucking money, you little brat? Look, Larry, have you ever heard of Vietnam? 
Oh, You're entering sake. a world Walter. of pain, son. We know that this is your homework. We know that you stole a car. And the fucking money. And the fucking money. And we know that this is your homework. You're gonna cut your dick off, Larry. You're killing your father, Larry. It was probably the nihilists. That dude can't fucking talk. Yeah, he it was driving. definitely the nihilists. They well, they finish off his car in the end during the fight, which then kills Donnie. Yeah, because he has a heart attack. Because he's real worried about the fight. Which that that Walter's at his best in that scene. Because Walter's like, "Fuck you, fuck the three of you." No, without a hostage, there is no ransom. That's what ransom is. Those are the fucking rules. His girlfriend gave up her toll. She thought we'd be getting million dollars. It's not fair. Fair? Who's the fucking nihilist around here, you bunch of fucking crybabies? So cool it, Walter. Hey, look, pal, there never was any money. The big Lebowski gave me an empty briefcase, so take it up with him, man. And I would like my undies, babe. This guy's gonna hurt us, Walter? No, Donnie. These men are cowards. Okay, so we take some money, you have fun, you uh, we call Shadifa. <laughs> Fuck no. you. Hey, no, come on, Walter, come on, we're ending this thing cheap, man. No, what's mine is mine. Oh, come on, Walter. No funny stuff. All right, all right. Uh, no funny stuff. I got uh, four bucks, almost five. I, I got $18. What's dollars. mine is mine. We fuck you up, man, we take the money. Come and get it. We Fuck you up. Show come me on, what man. you got, nihilist. I fuck you. Walter, come on, he's got a sword thing, man. Shit with a nine-toed woman. These men are cowards, dude. And then Donnie's <laughs> like, they have a they have a gun, they have a knife, and he's like, no, these dudes are cowards. <laughs> I'm about to pass out, dude. I'm about to pass out, dude. Dude doesn't refrigerate his half and half. Here's the thing. I need to get into this debate right here. I don't give a shit how far we've gone into this podcast. So if you buy a condiment, say ketchup. Yeah. Or, or syrup. I always do this. I immediately, when I buy it, it goes right into the fridge immediately. My girlfriend thinks you don't need to refrigerate syrup or ketchup. No, you do not. No, it's bullshit. No, I mean, putting it in the fridge is not going to hurt. But unless it says refrigerate after opening, I mean, syrup, I definitely think can be left out. Ketchup, I do put in, but I don't I don't know that it has to. Be. I immediately put it in the fridge. It's like how you not do that, I should say. How have you worked at Ponderosa, Max and Irma's, any other restaurants in there? and not seeing that we didn't ever refrigerate our ketchup. But I did. Why do I have to be like everybody else? No, I'm saying you're saying that just because you do it that you think it's right. I think my way is the gold standard. Like next thing you're going to tell me, Seth, that Arby's sauce is great. Well, it is, but it's not as good as Red Ranch. Oh, you son of a bitch. You you ever meet my buddy Manch Slaw? Manch Slaw. <laughs> Big some bitch. <laughs> Big some bitch Manch Slaw. So speaking of Manch Slaw, dude's Medina sod bowling shirt is from Medina, Ohio. Really? It somehow made its way to a Los Angeles thrift store. A man named Art Myers was a manager at Medina Sod Farms, and he played on their bowling team. After seeing the shirt in the movie, Art was stoked. It was actually his kids who saw it because Art hadn't seen a movie in theaters in decades. So when his kids were like, wait a minute, that's where dad works. That shirt says Art. That's probably dad's shirt. So sure enough, it was Medina Sod became Medina Turf, and I'm pretty sure it still exists what, 50 miles from here? Mm-hmm. So pretty neat that uh, antique model. the dude has Ohio connections because of the Medina Sod shirt.
That's really cool. I dig that. All right. What is the legacy of this movie? I mean, come on. The Coen brothers firmly stated that they would never make a sequel, but John Turturro very much wanted to return to his Jesus Quintana character, so much so that he wrote, directed, and starred in the Jesus roles a few years ago. That movie's actually based on another movie. I haven't seen it. I don't really need to. I'm no, not, we're good. Jesus character's great. I don't need to see a whole movie of him. What's this day of rest shit? What's this bullshit? I don't fucking care. It don't matter to Jesus. But you're not fooling me, man. You might fool the fox in the league office, but you don't fool Jesus. It's Bush League psycho stuff. Laughable, man. <laughs> I would have fucked you in the ass Saturday. I'll fuck you in the ass next Wednesday instead. You got a day Wednesday, baby. Never want there to be a sequel of this movie, period. We don't need it. Yes. So, but speaking of the movie and seeing this in theaters, there's festivals, constant screenings. There's Lebowski beers. There's honestly, I mean, would we not go as far to say there is a whole culture built around this movie? Oh, God. I mean, it's crazy. This movie is way more successful in the, you know, 25 years following than it was. Pop culture icon is this movie. Dude did a Super Bowl commercial a few years ago. He reprised the role of the dude for a commercial. Wild night, huh? White Russian? No, Gary, give me a Stella Artos. <laughs> Excuse me. Good choice. Well, changing can do a little good. <laughs> do the bites. <laughs> Do you guys believe in that whole Donnie's not real conspiracy theory? No, but that's interesting. What, yeah. that he's a phantom? That he's like Walter's like guilt from being in Vietnam because he's the only one that interacts with him in the whole movie, like talks to him. But even the dude, though, acknowledges who Donnie was. Right. Oh, was. But, yeah, but like if, but the dude maybe is humoring Walter sure, because he's, that's his best friend. Yeah, and he's just going best. along with it. Yeah. That's, ooh, that is really I, interesting. I started reading this like two nights you ago. You went down a rabbit hole. I was like, what am I, what is this? Wow. I never, really- uh, but I don't know if that makes sense because then who do they, you know, they go to the funeral home and they get the ashes. Whose ashes are they spreading? I don't know. I mean, yeah, the, I, it, the big Lebowski, because he died, didn't he? No. Oh. No, he just pulls him out of his wheelchair. Yeah. He pull, remember, he's Walter dead. picks him up in the wheelchair. Yeah, he's dead. In the ground. He's dead. He can't walk. Yeah. He calls him spinal. He says he's seen his fair share of spinals. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. I will say as homework for everyone, go watch a bunch of Coen Brothers movies. Yeah. Watch No Country for Old Men. Watch Raising Arizona. Watch A Serious Man. Go watch all of them. Buy the Coen Brothers collections. I have all of them. They're in box sets. And just watch every Coen Brothers movies on Netflix. It's sad because the last movie they made was straight to Netflix is The Ballad of Buster Scrub. Which is good, but it's its own thing. It's, yeah. It doesn't really feel that much like a traditional Coen Brothers movie. And then they've um, they've split off a few times to make movies like Joel or Ethan individually have made like kind of their own projects. But um, traditional Coen Brothers movies, go check out as many as possible. Yeah. In, on behalf of my birthday. So Please. Stick around for some plugs. And now on Discord. Cool Sceners, once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the show and all of the other ones in our back catalog and you can find those on apple spotify podbean podbay and wherever you get your podcast from because we are there and never forget to like comment subscribe rate and follow on facebook join the pool seniors group for exclusive content you will get it there first instagram twitch threads tiktok and youtube at pool scene podcast 
We are all over the place, so you will never get one opportunity to miss us anytime, anywhere. And as always, back to Kevin. Hey, Final App Guy, I'm glad you exist. Yeah! The Final Lap! Jim, what do you got going on? All right, kids. I got a whopping three things in the news, one of which let's throw it to movies. There's an actor out there. We're all friends with him. We love him. He's the best who always plays Hector. And we know him from Fast and the Furious. It's the fact that he got into a pigeonhole, I guess, where he ends up in a movie and he always plays a guy named Hector. Uh And you think it's typecasted. He fucking has embraced it. He he even requests like if you need a name for character, call him Hector. So he's been in multiple franchises in which he holds the name Hector and I love the fact that he has embraced it and he loves it we love you gentleman who plays Hector I don't even know his real fucking name (laughs) but it doesn't matter I'm glad you did the homework yeah so I will McDonald's has began opening locations of Cosmics C-O-S-M-C apostrophe S yeah Cosmics after a McDonald land orange alien character introduced in 1987 I, I don't know if we've ever really went down this rabbit hole or discussed this on the podcast but we used to have a gaming collective named Retro Society. That's right. Which three of us here, sorry, yeah. Beth, we're all involved in. And the thing that started all of Retro Society was Mickey's. Yeah, Dane. Yeah, for uh, NES. So Cosmic is actually a character on Mickey's. That's a story for another time. But the now Cosmics, what it is, it's a small format, no dining room McDonald's with only hints of McDonald's branding. There's a single arch instead of the McDonald's arches. There's a little bit of variance to the menu, but you're starting to see these cosmic locations pop up in cities. Kind of an alarming trend because I don't like the no employees, no employees, all kiosk, you know, like all mobile order type locations, but that's what these are going to be. I'm worried about that because all of a sudden there goes your unemployment rate through the fucking roof. Yeah. Well, it's corporate greed. It's more money for the owners, you know, less operating costs. Franchisees are going to make millions. But what happens in the instances that you do need to talk to somebody you know that's what's frustrating hey somebody pissed in this some robot pissed in my burger a robot piss make piss so my next one and we're gonna throw it here to video game stuff they just dropped the gta 6 trailer oh yeah they're returning to vice city i watched a video today showing all like the things where they got like the person on top of the car twerking the guy taking a gator out of his pool all based on real life events that have happened within the past decade because folks it's been 10 years since gta 5 came well, out they seem to be doing this like TikTok element. Yeah, game. a lot. It is beautiful. It looks great. But here's the thing. It's going to be even more beautiful when it comes out in 2025. I mean, God, I'll be like 60. then, Dude, I'm fucking when I saw 2025, because I was like, man, it's going to be out next June. It's not coming out till 2025. Yeah. And I better bummed. be January 1st. I'm so fucking bummed, but it's going to get two more years of development time. It's going to look even better. Corey, what do you think about this? I think that they jumped on this one to release it themselves because it was leaking. Yeah. So they wanted to get ahead of it. We got the release of the Fallout TV trailer. Looks fucking amazing. Seth, that uh, Furiosa trailer dropped. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Um, You know, you want to talk about filmmaking today. I don't know. George Miller 
dollars in his seventies, right? Uh, yeah. And Alex, I made Alex watch the trailer today. Come to find out, he had never seen Fury Road, so I was like, "You need to go watch Fury Road." Jim watched Fury Road in my awesome. living room. I was yeah. like, "You're not leaving my house. You have to watch this movie." Because Kevin kind of enforced that. All the Mad Max movies I saw previously, I thought they sucked. I didn't think they were that great. I thought Mad Max in general was very overrated. Man, Fury Road is one you know of the like best. Master Blaster and Tina Turner. I mean, I love the cultural reference. I've said it here quite a bit on the podcast, but Fury Road is probably one of the best action movies. Dude, it ever. is incredible. And, and Furiosa kind of looks pretty much just like Fury Road. Copy paste. Not a bad thing. Yep. No. Like, no, it's not. Take all the same stuff. Tell us a new story. We're all on board. I we're concur. Good. Yeah. I got one thing before we go. It kind of ties into what you guys were talking about a couple weeks ago, I think, with digital content. Yeah, yeah. I actually have this too. Yeah. So Sony comes out or yeah, it was on X. That's exactly. Time. So I was going to say, as as we're recording this, this is coming from a guy with a VHS tattoo. Yeah. This is a PSA to buy physical media because Corey, go ahead and tell us what yeah, happened so, with Sony. So Sony comes out and says that they lost their digital contract with discover, right? Yes. Discovery. And yeah. Discovery content that you had bought through their store that you literally purchased you with your purchased own fucking with money. Your own yeah. money. They you are will, purging the stuff that you purchased. Yep. You will no longer to be able to access it. No <laughs> refund. Year, right? I dare Joe Biden to come <laughs> in my house and try and take my VHS collection. Thanks Biden. I just, it's just, this is insane. Insane. Yeah, it's this is. Up. I purchased this stuff digitally for my system. This is the future, and now you're like, no, nope, we lost contract. Sorry. Yeah, there's some asshole out there who bought 40 volumes of some Discovery Whale show or Dirty Jobs or Dirty Jobs, yeah. and they spent. $15,000 and now it's gone with nothing to show for it and no leg to stand on because I'm sure their terms and conditions cover this yeah. exact case. Right. They're going to be like, you can pull this at any time. So I buy physical. Yeah. It's very Same depressing here. though because at some point they're going to pull the plug on us on, on physical media. Yep. And then we're just at their mercy. Stockpile everybody. Stockpile and put it in your fallout shelters. Hold eventually they're like, alright, on our video game system, no physical copies. Yeah. Everything's a digital download. They literally are going to turn digital into DivX. Yeah. Well, aren't they doing that? Sony's doing that by yeah. removing the disk drive. Yep. Yep. Which depressing. I well, mean, you got to think even new games nowadays, the game isn't on that disc. It is literally a, a download. It is a download. It is virtually a DRM for you to access the game. You know what? You know what is also a very depressing prospect is that, and, and this is probably somewhat with my tinfoil hat on, is that when something is released as a digital copy, you never have full guarantee to own the original. Like I own the pre-modified Star Wars movies on VHS before they added all the weird digital the stuff shit. in the foreground. So like if you buy a video game that they have access to constantly overwrite your save and change things, you can never go back and access the original version. No. It's always like this amoeba version of what you own. So it's kind of scary. I think, yeah, just buy physical media while you can. Buy as much as you can. Maybe it'll be an investment someday. It better be, man. We're holding on so much of this shit. Plus, like, we keep finding these. I was very bummed. I went to Goodwill the other day in Newcastle, and I came across, which I didn't know, a William Shatner baseball movie. Yeah. Which I didn't know one existed, but I wanted to buy it. You have to run to third base. <laughs> Cash a ball. Go to the stars. But the one thing that needs to occur, especially if you're VHS collectors like Kevin and I, make sure you maintain your VHS 
VHS is in a great environment because that William Shatner fucking VHS movie had so much mold in it. Mm -hmm. And here is a pro tip for you wannabe VHS collectors out there. Don't ever, 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 ever put a moldy tape in your VCR because once you do, that mold gets collected around the heads and it's going to transfer to tape. A little bit harder to do to find head cleaners for your VCR. Very difficult. It's almost to the point where you're literally going to have to take the VCR apart and then clean it manually. If you want a nice Panasonic VHS player, yeah. you know, a VCR, do not put a moldy tape in it. Get a forehead VCR, guys. Those are the gold standard ones. Yeah. Foreheads. Foreheads. Clean get, your heads. Get, clean get. them out every night. All right. right. Well, this has been a fantastic way to spend my birthday episode. Yeah. I do want to appreciate all our pool sceners and pool scene world. Seth, we'll be seeing you soon in Alive and in Living Color. Hell yeah. Seth is going to get his uh, five-timers robe yeah. already. Going to get your five-timer robe. Shane's going to be five. For his five timer robe yeah well that's on three. Oh wait i'm, I'm on three. Three, out of three all right so you're only going to be on four then Shit, we'll record twice while you're here next time Corey <laughs> comes on the show he gets a robe he gets a robe mag ch next time robe shane next time robe i'm going to start doing the rodney dangerfield and when you guys show up i'm only going to wear a robe it's no going to be open too <laughs> dong out uh-huh gonna clean my head right here on, on the podcast <laughs> so well happy birthday brother thank you thank you everyone for joining us uh Happy birthday, Kevin. Thank you. We're going to be coming at you with some uh, some Christmas content, sort of. Sort of. I started watching some Hallmark movies, and I watched a movie that I thought was either a Lifetime or a Hallmark movie called Christmas Lodge. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun of it. Wow. I did not notice the f- blue family approved sticker on it because you know what that's going to give you. Blue family. Was it like an Avatar sequel? <laughs> As a blue family. No, it said it was a blue sticker on it yeah. or on the thing that said family. Yeah, it's approved. got that little dove on it. It's very yeah, cr- avoid those. Very Christian. But the guy who was the lead actor, his name was Michael Shanks. <laughs> He looked like lunar generic Kiefer Sutherland. So I should probably talk about this. I love these movies. I love them for the cheesiness. They are one of the only things that brings me joy these days. For the first time ever, a Hallmark or Lifetime Christmas movie, there is a an actress I like. Anytime I see her pop up in one of these, I'm like, okay, I'll watch that one. It's going to be a pretty good. Lacey Chabert? Her name's uh, Jana Palmer. Okay. Or Jana, Jana Parker, Jana Palmer, something. Let's get her on the podcast. So her name's Jana. Canadian, probably. She, probably. Definitely shot in Canada. They're all Canadian. So for the first time ever, Ever in a lifetime or a Hallmark movie, they're doing a sex scene. What? In a movie called A Cowboy Christmas Romance. Wow. So I've got that one recorded. <laughs> Clean my head to it. Yeah, full bait. Full bait <laughs> to a Hallmark a lifetime. And then they're going to come in my house and they're going to steal my physical media. Oh, they're going to come. Yeah. All right. I'm going to rip that one to DVD. So <laughs> I'm going to sell bootleg copies. Oh, shit. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to be back with uh, Christmas concert. Content, hopefully double up on the Christmas content. Talk a little bit more about Gary Sharon. Yeah, no. I loved him in extreme with Nuno Bedencourt. No Van Halen. All right. Until next week. Silencia. Two old sodas, Gary. Right. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, sorry to hear about Donnie. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Sometimes you eat the bar and sometimes uh well. Hey man. How do you do, dude? I wonder if I'd see you again. Wouldn't miss the semis. Oh, yeah. Things been going. Oh, you know, strikes and gutters, ups and downs. Sure, I got you. Yeah. Thanks, Gary. Well, take care, man. Gotta get back. Sure. Take it easy, dude. Oh yeah. I know that you will. Yeah. Well, the dude abides. 
you, but I take comfort in that. It's good knowing he's out there, the dude, taking her easy for all us sinners. Shush. I sure hope he makes the finals. Well, that about does her. Wraps her all up. Things seem to have worked out pretty good for the dude and Walter. And it was a pretty good story, don't you think? Made me laugh to beat the band. Parts anyway. I didn't like seeing Donnie go. But then I happened to know that there's a little Lebowski on the way. I guess that's the way the whole darn human comedy keeps perpetuating itself. Down through the generations. Westward the wagons. Across the sands of time until we... Look at me. I'm rambling again. Well, I hope you folks enjoyed yourselves. Catch you later on down the trail. La vida es tu competición. Hay que sonar.